0: G'day, Champions of Chaos. It's AOS Coach, and we are here talking Slaves to Darkness. There is a new book. It's limited, but it's coming out soon. So if you didn't buy the special box, I don't know, it's coming out, what, January, December? It's coming soon. But I'm here to talk about Slaves to Darkness, and this is a bit of a two-parter. First off, I have Archeon's number one fan, it is the GW Open best overall winner, fresh from America, uh, so fresh that I'm pretty sure this show is about to be cancelled because Phil slept in uh, and woke up literally like seconds before we went live. But Phil also is a top performing Slaves player on the TSN network, um, Incredibly, doing incredibly well last season, this season. Um, and just an overall champion. What are you in uh, the the UK World's team for, for this upcoming season? Um, just slayer of all things order. But welcome, Big Phil.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Coach. Um, looking forward to doing the show and talking about Slice of Darkness, which has, uh, like you say, got me into Team England this year. Um, and hopefully can keep pushing Toby to take out rank one Slice of Darkness player again.
0: Mate, you you, you, and Toby, and, and actually, funnily enough, I, I mentioned it's a two-parter. Uh, Toby's going to join us and a little bit later on a different video, and we'll get some uh, different opinions. We'll see what works, what doesn't work. And for anyone who's wondering, why am I doing Two Slaves of Darkness a video so quickly? It's because it's such a deep book. It's such a rich book. It's like Cities of Sigma that I think one video just doesn't do it justice. So I want to get Phil's um, thoughts, opinions, how he's thinking about the book, uh, especially given that you are an Archeon fan. Um, how do you build? How are you thinking about it? What do you like? Um, obviously, we are on the cusp of a new General's Handbook as well. So who knows how that's going to influence the meta? You know, yes, we'll talk GVs. We won't talk too much given... Um, it should hopefully end pretty soon. But, Phil, welcome. What got you into Slaves? Why do we like this? Why are you a big fan? Give the internet the introduction, considering you've literally just won the GW Open. You are king of the hill.
1: Um, but, Well, yeah. Um, I guess Slaves, best army in the game, right? Um What got me back into them? So I took a, like, hiatus from the hobby for, like, 15 years. So... um just before covid decided right let's do this again um and saw that Archeon model Um, it's pretty hard not to fall in love when you see the size of the big boy coming back from when his riding is in comparison small little demonic mount um so yeah the um, Archeon really brought me back in and um I haven't really looked back ever since I think I played like 30 GTs last year with him in the UK in my first like competitive season ever. Um, and he looked his future all the way into me having my re- worst result was a 4-1 with him. So it was uh, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like, like I say, the model range, the lore. Um, I strictly played varengard when at the beginning it was all about Marauders. But the lore around varengard and Archeon was just... A big selling point for me mate you mentioned you mentioned the old sculpt
0: i actually just pre-ordered the or the made to order rk i'm like ooh, you would be a cracking um chaos lord on demonic mount if i want to go like a very knight's heavy build if i don't want to go yeah. kakadrak or kakadrak i thought that would be a great uh alternative model
1: I've done literally the same thing. I got my brother to order it for me while I was in New Mexico, just in case I didn't have any Wi Fi.
0: <laughs> so, I got yeah. the boob snake as well. I bought the old Slanish boob snake. I'm like, I'm on this cusp right now where I'm like, I want to play corn, but by the time I get my force up to corn, I'm pretty sure it's going to be changed. And the keyword shenanigans you can get with like the blood stoker and the blood secretor are going to change. But I do yeah. like the slaves' mark. So I'm like, hmm. Boob snake uh demonic lord. I'm I'm all about that. Um it's it's such a great model.
1: Yeah, no. Um and like you say, all those buff pieces, I think we, we should make hay while the sun shines, right?
0: Yeah, if you if you got it already, like corn at the moment is great. Look, we, I think we're getting into the weeds, let's not get too too yeah. deep just yet. Talk to me about the book, okay? So you have been a long-term Slaves of Darkness player, doing incredibly well. Like I said, you literally just won the GW Open with the uh, best overall. Um, You were best overall, right? You weren't best general, you were best overall. So you've won it with Slaves. You're very, very intimate with Slaves. How have you found the new book? Like, what's the elevator pitch so far?
1: Um, Personally, I've really enjoyed it. Um, Like, I haven't been too clouded in judgment. I knew we are losing everything that made us so strong this year. Um, I knew rerolls of ones of saves were going to go. I knew all the rerolls to hit some wounds were going to go. So um, I knew it was going to be a different way of playing and I was really looking forward to that. Um, What I feel from the new book is now where we probably lack a little bit more survivability. We now hit so much harder. So there's a lot more options in the book with how you build to do damage. Um, and it, it massively suits the way I like to play the game. I like to get up in my opponent's face and put as much pressure on them as possible to make mistakes. Um, and I think this book really leans into, into that with um, the speed of it now. Um, and like I mentioned, the the damage, there's a lot more units you can pick from to really put pressure on Um so i'm looking forward to using some models that i'd never even considered using before um so yeah i'm really looking forward to it i th-
0: i think that's how i felt like when i went through the book because i'm like 2023 i'm super inspired to do at least a 2000 point army of slaves to darkness and like i'm hoping that my ambition continues through considering gits is coming literally just been announced i'm like man my heart's in gits but luckily for me most of my gits army is painted already so i can just play it without painting but i know when i've been looking at this book i've struggled i've struggled a lot because i don't know the list chosen are really cool knights are cool chaos warriors are cool Coltus Um, cool. I'm going through and I'm like, there's a lot of competitive builds. I could go the new Ogroid models. I could do some stuff. For, like, there's so many alternative builds that I'm like, I-, I don't know where to start, which is probably very exciting because it means that it's not like, here's one list, everyone spams the Splintered Fang. Spoiler, you can do that. But like, there's yeah. a lot of viability. And I'm sure you've probably found it. There's a lot of glow-ups where one unit doesn't particularly win, but there's a lot of great ways to build.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Um, and I think, like you say, the fact that you've got myself at the moment and Toby coming on in a few days, um, you'll probably see two very different opinions as well. Toby um, is a much more reactive player and likes to play the, the long game and survive. And um, I, I, like I say, I play a lot differently. I like, I like the aggro builds and I don't care if my stuff's squishy. Like if I'm doing damage and putting that pressure on, I'm all good. Um, but yeah, like you say, there, there's, there are so many options. I've The amount of lists I've written and I've, I've played like 25 games already with the new book. Um, I've, I'm still not decided. Um, I think we've got some lists that we'll go through later on and one of them would, would be if I had a tournament tomorrow, that's one I'd probably take at the moment. But like you say, I guess we'll go through that all a bit later. So has the
0: the playstyle changed? Like yes, you mentioned the rerolls have changed, you know, the corn demon print certainly has changed. But just as like a, a take a step back for a second, if I was an existing slaves player, what have you noticed just as like a playstyle? Does it still play the way it used to play? Um I know for a fact, obviously, Legion of the First Prince has fundamentally changed. It's, that's a chalk and cheese, two very different army builds. But outside of that, like, you know, if you want to run your Varangard-type armies and have, like, you know, um, your Varangard generals, if you want to run Archeon and friends, if you want to run, you know, th- is it the same or has is it like Nurgle where, you know, the Nurgle we used to know is now very different to, you know, the fast to slow?
1: Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's uh, I'd say it's very different. Um, so we used to be the big bad boys of being on a two-up re-rolling once. Um So whenever people got to a table, um, their eyes would roll when you'd tell them, especially in the current co-tech list, where once per game you could be plus six to your save, re-rolling ones. So unless you had mortal wounds, you didn't have a chance. Whereas um, now, like you don't have that guaranteed survivability. Um, there's not as much safe stacking at all. So you're really relying on that one cast of Mystic Shield, that one all out defense, if you're really being conscious of trying to keep your unkillable things alive. Um, whereas now, I think it lends towards damage dealing. So where we don't have that survivability for as long as we did previous, what we do now is we should do a lot more damage over the course of the game um, to make up for that. Obviously, there are some like damned legions that will help you survive a bit longer. Um, and I think where you used to see Archeon strictly in like host of the Everchosen, chosen, um, I believe he has a much different home in Ravagers. So um, you'll hopefully see a lot of really cool lists being built around different um, legions
0: and by the way yes absolutely craig the uh the stupid ever chosen cup game shenanigans with the priority roll um i'm so glad I, that's gone although I'm actually so to be fair well it's funny you say that <laughs> phil because i got so good at reading my opponent every time they rolled that dice in the old cup to see who would get priority i pick it every time like i could read your body language so um i'm a little bit sad that disappeared i was like it was good to pick it out but at the same time like when i really wanted the priority roll, and it was guaranteed to my opponent like it frustrated me a little bit
1: yeah i just i don't think you'll see people roll it ever turn like at the top of a battle round now just that free information you give your opponent is way too beneficial to them To, to let them know they're doubling you i just don't think you'll see it so but it's a shame i quite enjoyed it um probably because it was the most powerful command ability in the game. So um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to miss that one.
0: So take a step back for a second and let's imagine um, I'm asking Santa Claus to buy me that chaos box, you know, the box with the ogroid, the chosen, the new demon prince. Like imagine I'm new to Slate for the first time. how, how would you describe it? You've mentioned some of the changes, right? The safe stacking uh, that you used to have is is a bit more offensive in, the, in its build. How how would you describe Slaves to Darkness just as a, a faction,
1: um, with regards to the tabletop play or just overall? Yeah,
0: yeah, just like you know, like if we if you and I were at a game store and you sit, you know, I'm like, oh, pick this box. I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of looks cool. Um, yeah, so i would
1: describe it as a. A really durable army that will see out most games with with, with your models that um really pack a punch um, they've also got some really cool school sculpts for future like endeavors down the line so to build the army out you can go with the classic like all cavalry builds if you if you like that aesthetic on the tabletop That again really strong at the moment in this book or you can go with the pure foot slog of chaos warriors, which are the, I guess the, the hallmark of what used to be chaos. Um, so to get them back on the tabletop, it's brilliant. Um, and then you can even go down like a completely different route of, I don't want all the armored guys. I'm going to take these hundreds and hundreds of cultists that, um, are just going to go crazy and run down the table and do as much damage as possible. Um, so I just say there's there's so many options from a building perspective of the list um but ultimately they're they're the coolest looking models as well They've done themselves a real service by bringing out the new chosen um and to make the sculpt so good i'm I'm really glad they've made the rules text equally as good
0: speak to me about some of the new models uh, i agree by the way the new chase chosen a heart uh the new demon prince i think is a lot better i, I thought the old demon prince was goofy um I-, I think i prefer the demon the current demon prince without armor though um and there's a lot of cool options i saw actually um doom of darkness our friend of the channel had put an ogroid head on the um of the demon prince. And I thought that was really cool. Like it actually looked really, really cool. There's a lot of customization. I'm actually looking at um, Azazel, the old Demon Prince of Slanesh. I'm gonna like, ooh, how do I, how do I bring on some of those old heroes into my Slaves' force? So, um, but you had a whole bunch of new stuff, right? And maybe I'll get your elevator pitch. Give me like your high level thoughts, right? So, we have a new hero in Eternus. So turnus, the Blade of the First Prince. It's like the not the not the Green Knight um what's your take on Aternus
1: um being an Archeon player and he's a Bellakor servant i'm probably never going to use him um purely from a lore perspective but um i really like the model i think the the sculpt is amazing the the war scroll is quite good it really does lean into playing with legionaries and bellakor um and like i say being being the Archeon fanboy that i am um it 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 really pains me to ever think of picking an army of Bellicor in it over than Archaon. But yeah, Aeternus as a model, as a sculpt, absolutely beautiful. Um, And I think over the recent years, GW have done a stellar job with with that. Um, He does pack quite a bit of a punch, but I'm not sure I'd pick him up over Certain other chaos lords on on mounts like the Karkadrak has got an unbelievable glow up this year. The chaos lord on demonic mount as well. Um I think. I pause point. you. I pause you
0: on that because I want uh, one of the next questions I want to ask you is the glow ups like where where has the glow ups been? But I think you're right. Like when I looked at Alturnus I'm like he's not too bad. And then I thought for the points between Belacor and uh, Aeternus to to get the improved comeback from the dead i'm like oh that's a lot of points i feel like i could spend those better points in more knights more warriors more cultists yeah. uh, a chaos war shrine i'm like oh it's hard to justify
1: no it really is and like you also then need some legionaries as well um and i think there's just better core units out there that you, you want to be picking up instead
0: what about the Ogroid theridans? So that's the new um, Ogroid Troops. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the Feridans?
1: Um Initial thoughts were they they look like they can deal a, a serious amount of damage. Um, like, I think you can get them up to damage 3, rend 2, um, 4 or 5 attacks each if they're in corn. Um, my my take on stuff i'm i'm a bit of a stickler for the way models look um and i personally they're not for me um so i i I won't ever put them on a tabletop because i like playing with what i think looks cool um however i know someone's got 18 of them already and they're really going all in on this unit that yeah they're they're a little squishy with their five up save but if you can't take them off the table, they're going to take you off the table. Um, but yeah, like I refused to play Marauders last year when they're really good, just because I was like these models look rubbish. So <laughs> the um... poor
0: old six, the poor old six edition Marauders. I'm still surprised they're around. I thought they were building yeah. out these Warcry models to eventually get rid of the um, the Marauders. By the yeah. way, they got they got a bit of a nerf. They. Um, they lost oh, yeah. the, the little the little charge shenanigans they used to have, so I'm like, uh, it's not really a lot of good reasons
1: to take the old cultist. No, and they're uh, also not one of the. Well, there's other cheaper battle line options as well if you're just going to fill it out, which are just better as well. Um, but yeah, I, I thought my orders were going to get new models for this this book as well because I'm like, they're so old, but um, apparently not. So.
0: No, I thought the cultists would eventually replace them to be, to be honest with you. I'm like, they've had their time. There's a lot of cool cultists now available and it gives you a bit more customization, which leads me to the question I wanted to ask you, which was the glow ups. So When I was going through the book, I was going through and, you know, looking at every little war scroll, every little change and trying to understand what's different, what's improved, what's what's gone backwards, what's something that maybe in the old book you never really saw on the tabletop that um, now is worth considering. Have you noticed any of those gems, anything that maybe you never played previously? You're like, oh, actually, there's some new rules and uh, it's, it's, it's worth my time now.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll uh, up at two together off the bat, which are the Chaos Lord on Karkadrak and the Chaos Lord on Demonic Mount. Um, particularly their the War Scroll ability, right? For always strike first and the charge, and then the ability to allow a unit wholly within 12 to be selected immediately. Um, I think the, the points alone for that, if you're really going into like a Knight's build um, to be able to strike first with your hero, strike with ten knights, then strike with ten knights again, unless your opponent has a strike first effect. Um, you're gonna you're gonna be clearing serious amounts of people's armies with that one ability, if you can um time it right and get into the core of them. Um, if you have the points, I'd always go Karkadrak over the Curse Lord and demonic mount, purely from a damage output perspective, like he will kill so much and with the new Eye of the Gods, like he could just he could have more rules than Archeon does by by the end of the game if if you do it all properly. Um and I think like I say it's so nice to be able to use these models. Like I had a carcadrap from when I bought the start collecting box when it came out and never built it because the rules just didn't justify my time to build and paint it um so to actually have that as one of the like fundamental pieces in some armies now is amazing um same as the curse lord on demonic mount um it means i'll actually get to use Archeon in my army when that made to order guy turns up so i'll still have a little piece of Archeon with me even when he's not in in my list
0: Um, while we're talking Archeon by the way yes um, question comment in the chat we this is an early video so there is no FAQ formally Um, at the time of recording there has been some minor clarification so for example The uh, host of the ever chosen is a five-up rally, not a four-up rally. So in the book, in the English version, um, your Chaos Warriors, your Chaos Knights rally on a four-up. That was already errated, but there's going to be hopefully other erratas. So so there's some things that we might talk about that might get changed. You know, Splintered Fang right now is a perfect example of a unit that is either uh, needs to be changed in its war scroll, or needs to have a point increase. And yes, they are no noblers, uh, but certainly, you know, there's a couple of standouts where it's like, I, I, let's see how you go. And I mentioned right at the top of the channel, at the show, um, the Blood Stoker and the Blood Secreta. There's a little bit of cheese right now that if you look at the old um, slaves to darkness allies, so your Corn, Slanesh, Nurgle, and Zinch, all your zinch war scrolls have changed from zinch keyword to be um what's it called uh, disciples of zinch um your slanesh are often hosts of uh, hedonites of slanesh and your nurgle's Maggotkin of nurgle but when you look into the corn war scrolls a lot of their war scrolls are corn keyword not blades of corn which then adds some cheeky shenanigans at the moment with Slaves to darkness as i mentioned the um uh, Mr. Whippy, uh, the blood secretor, just two examples of where corn already is a strong built and some of those allies could just make them even better. So enjoy it while you can, but know that there might be some things that will get changed. Phil, is there anything you'd add to that or anything that you'd, you, you're would you thinking about when it comes to like that cheekiness?
1: Um, yeah, so with, with regards to the cheekiness, um, I completely agree with you. Corn at the moment is by far the standout and. As I alluded to earlier, make make hay when the sun, while the sun shines. Um, it's not going to be around forever. I think as soon as that new Blazer Corn book drops, we're going to lose all these inbuilt pieces to allow us to get plus four attacks and um, plus three to run and charge, etc. Um, it's
0: funny. It's funny you say that, Phil, because I started. I started building Slanesh. I'm like, I want to build around Slanesh in this book. And then I kept looking at Slanesh versus Corn. And by the way, um, Ramon mentioning earlier, we will, you know, you know, we talk a little bit about elevated and like high level stuff, and we will get into the rules soon. I swear I'll bring up the Eyes of the Gods table, bring up the marks, we'll get into the weeds. But it was really hard for me because I'm building Slanesh, and I just kept looking over the fence, and I'm like, Corn's just better. And then I went looking over to go right. Let's look at like some of the allies and what could possibly do even better because coalition has changed there's no coalition anymore it's now just allies and i'm like corn at the moment just has so many good kind of internal synergies that makes that mark of corn so much better
1: yeah no i completely agree um what i what i've tried to do with my list building is um try and remember that this isn't forever so i I've, I've been playing a lot more other options so um, again, you'll, you'll see later on one of my lists isn't, isn't corn with, um, the splintered fang that everyone keeps going on about. Um, so literally here
0: I on yeah. with uh splintered fang, like this, this fight on death stuff and, uh, it's going to definitely be FAQ'd in some description. So enjoy it while it lasts. But, um, like I was talking to some mace, they're like, I'm going to buy 90 splintered fang. I'm like, you're asking for trouble. If you don't already yeah. own this, you are asking for
1: trouble. Yeah, I think, um, well, I may be biased because I'm a Slaves player and I want Slaves to be good, but I think there's a lot of build-up over Splintered Fang that's probably a bit unnecessary. Um, yeah, they are three attacks each, fours and twos, mortal wounds on sixes, etc. So I think people are trying to get in as many attacks as possible with corn, which means you lose a lot when you're trying to build all of that in with them. Um ultimately they are a five up save one wound each six inch movement you, you can keep out of their ranges for a couple of turns
0: the snake so, charmer does bring them back to life though and you can fight yeah. on deaths so, and like for the point value of the of the splitted fang it's a little bit too good um just yeah. like noblars at the moment it's like you get 20 wounds for 100 points a bunch of mortal wounds on a four up you're like you're a little bit too cheap
1: yeah um yeah. And I, I guess to fight on death, you need to invest 860 points in Archeon. So, um, which I am not afraid to do in the slightest to double your output.
0: <laughs> so talk to me while we are talking glow ups and we talk Archeon, right? Because Archeon got five extra wounds, but he got some pretty powerful rules. You can't do rally or inspiring presence within 12 inches. Um, the, the three heads on, on Droga have changed a little bit. Um, What's your thoughts on new Archeon? His points didn't change, I thought, which was really interesting, right? He's at a ward, he's at a five up ward
1: now. Yeah, yeah, five up ward now. Um
0: and twenty I and guess. twenty-five wounds. So like straight away you're looking yeah. at like a 30, 35 wound model.
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, I love his new War scroll. I think he's got everything on there that I'd want him to have. Like we've got the once per game ability of the cup, as you alluded to. The, the built-in 12-inch aura of knowing sparance or Rally really sends, like, his damage output to another level, um, uh, along with the rest of your army, because 12 inches, when you're in the middle of things, is is huge off a 6.5-inch base. Um, and I, I believe it's just a within aura. It's not a wholly within, or it might be wholly within. I'd need to double-check. but
0: uh, You keep talking, I'll check. I'll check. I'll, I'll um, check.
1: I feel like he's uh, going to play a much different role this year. Um, I inherently had him as an eight hundred and sixty point buff piece that um, was able to give reroll ones of all hits and wounds to a unit with the by my will. Um, now he needs to be that damage dealer, so he needs to be in in amongst it, doing lots of damage. Um, all the time, he can't fight twice anymore. Um, his damage is actually quite consistent now with the D6 damage going to flat 5 on the head. Yes,
0: the monstrous claw going to flat 5 yeah. um, is, is so good, considering, like, you know, the having a D6, is it, it spikes. Um, and yeah. you've still got Slayer of Kings as well, which is great as well. Um, and, and the... The heads I thought were interesting, right? Because the the um, the three-headed Titan has gone from a hero phase ability to a monstrous um, rampage. And I think for me, like, when I was looking at arcane I'm like, I love the – is it the Spell Eater that does um, – no, it's not Spell Eater. I'm thinking of something else. I, all three of them I thought were, were de- definitely curious. But it did, does mean that you lose the generic monstrous rampage, like, you know, Titanic Jewel or Stomp or whatever. Yeah.
1: I think I think situationally the Nurgle one could be brilliant. The the seven dice on a free up to a mortal to war uh, hordes, just because you don't you don't really need to roar a horde unit with Archeon, like he's got enough Ren just to smash through them. So any additional damage you can get through I think is really beneficial for him rather than having him just get tied up by stuff. Especially he, with that inbuilt command ability. Uh, that inbuilt he's... ability of nonsparing
0: does he still fight? He, he doesn't fight twice because that was a – was that Chaos Reapers Lord. of Vengeance? No, that was – yeah, Chaos Lord. I remember, like, there was yeah. a, a couple of ways that he could fight fight twice.
1: Yeah, so, you, yeah, you, um, I'm pretty certain you can't get him to fight twice anymore. It's, you definitely can't within the Slaves of Darkness book. Um, I'm not sure if there's another way you can get him to fight twice. Reapers?
0: Um, did, Re, did Reapers of Vengeance, the old Korn, um I think that faction?
1: changed to Demons only, maybe. Okay. Um yeah. I played against um oh I've forgotten his name. A guy in New Mexico that um runs Old Town throwdown. Oh um, Gareth. So, yeah, Gareth. Um and he's a strictly corn player and uh, I had the joy of all his demons fighting twice, which when you've got Scarbrand sat there and you're scared of mortal wounds, it wasn't wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: So I'm um, here in is good, um, you know. Chaos Chosen I thought got a really nice up. They're now three wounds apiece. They're a lot more. Their points went up. They went up massively to over two hundred points. But they yeah. feel the elite. They they feel much more like elite warriors where previously they were like pseudo chaos warriors. Mm. But yeah, nah, like there wasn't a lot of difference between the two.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the Chosen. I think there's a lot of play with them and. In- and lean into many different play styles with them as well so um i know we're going to the rules a bit later but you can put various banners on these boys and they are gonna they're gonna do a job for you um the fight twice ability mortal wounds on sixes they they do everything you want them to do you just you just need to work out how you're going to get them there so all
0: I right, will bring up the rules in a second but before I do that I do want to ask you is there anything that maybe you think you're now not a fan of things that you used to feature there's a couple that I've got that I'm like they used to be good but yeah no nah, you can have a holiday for a little bit
1: Yeah so um I guess the Chaos Lord um for one he he was a fundamental piece in my army for over a year On, on yeah, foot on, on foot um I, I, I paid the points purely to make Archeon cost 975 because um, Archeon fighting twice was was so powerful. Um, he's now lost that ability, and I believe it now allows his retinue to fight, um, which for me, I'm, I'm not too bothered about. Um, so he, he's gone. He's, he's going to go and sit on the haystack while while the rest of my boys have some fun. Um other units um probably um i didn't personally use them but it'd be marauders like you said earlier they they used to pack so much of a punch that changing that lowest dice to a six i think you had like a 99 success rate at charging nine plus inches so um with a reroll. Um, roll a couple that
0: unit, i here's a couple yeah. that i had and you can tell me if you agree or disagree the kitty cat, the mind sphere, mind stealer, um, Spirex, yeah. whatever the cat is, um, its gaze now has has changed. It's now a bravery <laughs> test, and there's a lot of bravery ten. I'm like, eh, nah, I'm, I'm 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 not a fan of you. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that.
1: Um, completely agree. Longtime user of it as well, so it's it's going to be a shame to lose it. Um, I think it's particularly it's only good into destruction now, really all other factions probably just have too high a bravery to even warrant the dice roll of it.
0: Or Order, orders are 50-50. You know, you still got cities. Yeah. Stormcast is still not that great in its bravery. So you've still got even Sylvaneth to a degree. But, yeah, like there's too much chaos and there's too much death at the moment it's like...
1: Yeah.
0: I don't like I the think consistency. think it lost the
1: monster keyword as well. Oh, did it? I, th- I think it did, yeah. I heard someone yeah. talking about it this Yeah, one, yeah.
0: And- Anthony Brennan also mentioning it's lost the monster keyword. Ooh, I don't like that.
1: Yeah. So like I have it, well, I've been running it in the COTEC list purely for raw sometimes. So just to get off the ability to raw someone. Um, So now to lose that as well. So now it only counts as two on an objective instead of five. You can't raw things if you really need them to stop all out the fence. Um, but yeah, like I enjoyed the dice game. I enjoyed that it was a mortal. So you used to be able to mask of darkness sit down the table, get it to where it needs to be, make something fight last, go in and double tap it with varengard or Archeon and um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it into the new Mega Gargons, that's for sure with the gatebreaker on a four up doing four D6 mortals.
0: I won't because the other day I played my Mega Gargan into a Storm Drake. Feel you like this one? Um, the Mega Gargan, the Gatebreaker now has an ability where you can sacrifice its attacks, and on a four up, you do four d six mortal wounds. I did twenty mortal wounds to a Star Drake, like so, yeah. so chuffed, and I colossal slammed as well. Like I slammed him good.
1: Yeah, I, I had the joys of finding out that ruler on Saturday in my game eight till midnight with L. Um, to go into day two of New Mexico. And I was like, okay, I know how to beat Gargants. We're just going to save stack my Vanguard, put them on plus four to their save, re-roll, hits and wounds, and I'm going to charge all four of them. I was like, cool, I'm in. Um, took off his general, and then he went, okay, I'm going to sacrifice all my attacks. I was like, oh, what does that do then? And like you say, it's a four it's up. Something. It's a
0: four up. Like it's a 50, 50. If you yeah. roll that one to three, you do literally no attack. So it's like, yeah. if it, if it, it's, it's such a Gargan thing and yes, you can um, suplex a kitty cat two other things feel yeah. that I, I, I thought two and a half, I want to say two and a half corn demon Prince you used to use it all the time uh, for the, for the reduction of the charge and the, the run um yeah corn demon prince has fundamentally changed so i think that now is no longer an auto include i agree or disagree
1: i completely agree i think you'll take a nurgle one now if you're taking one um nurgle nurgle yeah it's nice different things are getting their time in the sun again so you're not just going to see zinch on the table i'd be very surprised if you see any but yeah Z- um, zinch
0: was the was the mark that i thought was the least good i'm like i'm going yeah okay i can see nurgle i can see corn i can see Slanash, but then the gap between those three and then zinch i'm like yeah i don't think i'd ever run zinch
1: it's pretty night and day um but again it's a good thing it, it's allowing different options um opposed to fundamentally being a one mark book so it'd be nice to see the way different people interpret it and see a lot of different lists like, like like you alluded to we're probably the second biggest book in the whole range behind stormcast um so it'd be nice to see all the different builds while people are understanding the new book and how to decipher the way in which it's trying to play the game
0: the other two or one and a half i mentioned legion of the first prince that was a oh, faction yeah. that l- people love to kind of like bring that soup demon demon build that's completely disappeared. You've still got Legion of the First Prince as a sub but it's no longer about that demon soup. And you kind of already noticed the demons were going – their allegiance ability was kind of the, – their War Scroll abilities were tied to allegiance ability. So if they were being brought into slave slash Legion, like you're, you're um, discussing resilience, you know, you know, Kairos had some changes with his cheaty dice. Um, yeah. Again, agree or disagree
1: completely agree. Um, you only have 400 points to play with now, I, th- I think, and you just, you just can't get enough in to make it worthwhile. Um, if you want to run bellicle, there's just better options from a legion perspective that you can put them into without having your 400 points of demons that aren't going to do anything by the time you put 10 horrors in like it's game over from a allied perspective.
0: The last one that I, is my half a change. Um, and you tell me what you think about this one, the war, not the war altar, the, um, your chariot, what's it called? The stupid, um, the, the war the shrine. shrine, the war shrine, the war shrine. I keep going cities of Sigma, my, my war altars and things like that. And I, I say the, I, I say the shrine because the shrine with its prayer used to be able to jump between its marks. So you'd be able to have a bit yeah. more flexibility with the, um, you know, especially if you're doing, you're doing two marks in your army now, your shrine is marked. So if you pick corn, you can only do corn. And if you do two marks in your army, you're going to need two shrines or it only, it's only going to buff half your army. Um, thoughts on that one?
1: Um, I think its rules text has got significantly worse. Um, I used to love any of the prayers, basically. Um, obviously, in the list I've been running in Zinch the the ability to pray to undivided instead and get all the benefits from that if you already had enough of your save stacking um it has come down to its original points back at 185 i believe but um it's a lot of points to really buy into what you want to try and do with it so i think if you're thinking slanesh then it would be on my piece of paper with a question mark if I can fit it in. Um, particularly in like a Ravagers build where that six up ward aura could be pretty pretty big for you fundamentally against. Um other playstyles that tend to be more difficult for you. But um it wouldn't it definitely wouldn't be an auto-include in in my lists at the moment.
0: It depends on like as I've been thinking about the war shrine, I've been thinking about if i go primarily one chaos mark, so i'm going all in on nurgle all in on corn it it makes a lot of sense but for someone who yeah. at the moment is doing two marks whether it's slanesh and nurgle or corn and nurgle or even slanesh and corn it becomes a little bit hard and i was thinking about the the six up ward and i'm like the little sorcerer lords now or even any of your sorcerer lords with the is it oracular vision Instead yep. of giving you plus one to your save, is now giving a six up ward. So if I really want a couple of wards, maybe I should do two little sorcerers on foot rather than um, the the war shrine. And it's guaranteed. It's not a it's not a spell. It's not it's not a, it's not a dice roll. It's just you pick a unit. Yeah. Boom! You got a six up ward.
1: Yeah, um, I still think sorcerer lords are one of the key units in any slaves army. Um, even with the changes to oracular visions and demonic power. Um I, I will always have a minimum one. Um and in some lifts I'll have two of them. But um yeah, I I agree. I think I think the prayers just aren't as good. And that the fact you've got a 33 percent chance of failing unless you're near mystical, um, it's a lot to buy in buy into them. Um I like the Slanesh one for delivery if you're really going foot heavy, getting that three D six charge on them. With run and charge, um, can really help, and I think there's going to be there's going to be some little shenanigans you can do, like getting levitate See. on chosen, giving them run th- and charge, charge them three d six, hop over. I'm
0: thinking Sigvald. I'm thinking Sigvald with Slanesh in the uh, the war the the So I'm like, give Sigvald three d six, and his um was it his his charge roll, his unmodified charge roll, is he man of attacks? I'm like. 205 yeah. points for sigvold who who can tank a um an Arca- uh, incarnate and do a whole yeah. bunch of damage i'm like this is not too bad
1: yeah no exactly um yeah i think for me if i'm if i'm thinking of running slanesh it's it's on my list as can i fit it in because it, it can give you a lot of utility which your army needs um which is the delivery of your models
0: Look, we've talked a lot about rules. So how about I actually bring up some of the rules? And I'm conscious that it's already been 40 minutes. And I think this is why I need to do multiple shows because this book, Like Cities of sigma, I could do five shows and we'd still be scratching the surface of this book. So without looking at the rules, I assume people have either read the the leaks, they've seen my videos in the past, or they can read the screen themselves. Talk to me a little bit about how you think about... um, slaves to darkness we'll skip them legions for a second because we'll go to that at a, a future slide yep. but what are your thoughts when it comes to the chaos marks do you think that all of them are equal do you think there are some better than others do you think you do an army with just one mark two marks do you try to spread out the marks like how do you as an experienced successful player look at the mark the marks of chaos system
1: um so I guess, um, while I'm looking at it, there for me, there's three standouts. There's your Nurgle, your Korn and your Slaanesh. Um They, they for me, are going to be the first ones that people are going to really lean in on. Um, I think every army is going to have a blob of Nurgle with um, the uh, source of Banner. Um, that minus one to be wounded, there's not a lot of stuff in the game that can benefit your to wound um they reduce that's changed by by the way
0: that changed as well right it used to be an aura now it's just the unit yeah Yeah.
1: it just affects them and i believe um your your opponents can get out of it with shenanigans if they can string out the unit that's attacking them so stuff like um combat snakes like if they just want to go in and do their 15 mortal wounds they can still get their rend through, but um, yeah, I think big blobs of warriors in Nurgle with a banner is going to be pretty common for people. Corn um, again, that that plus one attack on the charge. I think there's going to be a lot of cavalry units that will lean into the corn route because everyone knows horses are more punchy when they uh, get a charge off. Um, so why not give them extra attacks while they're doing it as well? um and then slanesh um again give giving the ability to run and charge um will really help with the delivery of models that are significantly slower i think on on the current boards i think most of the missions you start 18 inches away so i don't i don't feel you definitely need run and charge at the moment on on the cavalry um but let's see what the new ghb brings and it it could be a, a sub-faction that you see takes over corn in the new GHB, particularly when um, the blazer corn book comes out as well.
0: I would agree wholeheartedly with you. Corn, Nurgle, Slanesh in some combination, I think are your top three. Um, yeah. probably another thing to mention, folks, if you haven't looked at the book, is there's a new type of artifact and it's called a banner. Um, there's an ensorcelled banner, and you get one of them for free. And if you go host of the ever chosen, you get a second banner. Or obviously, if you go like Warlord or any other any other battalion that gives you an extra enhancement, that could be an extra banner. You can't stack the banners, so your unit of Chaos Knights, for example, couldn't have two banners, but you certainly could have two banners across your army. So we'll get to those banners very soon. They are very tasty. It reminds me of the old Warhammer Fantasy days where you had those battle standard bearers and you could pick a magical banner for your army. That, to me, is what drew me. I like Corn. I like Nurgle, I like Slaanesh. Undivided is question mark, and we'll get to the Eyes of the Gods table in a minute. Um, and there's some interesting kind of mechanics. To me, it's a little bit too random, um, especially as a tournament goer. But the mark of Zinch for me, the only thing I'm kind of drawn to is that warp reality, getting the spell, casting value of six, range of nine. If successfully cast, you can pick uh, a Zinch Slaves of Darkness unit and basically teleport it around the board, Um, obviously outside of 9. But, like, to me, that's probably the only thing that I'm drawn to with the Zinch mark. Where are you at?
1: Um, I just don't like the spell either, really. It's really situational. Um, You have to teleport back to your wizard Mm. um, that's casting it. So where Mask of Darkness used to be, um, pick up the models wholly within 12 and then teleport anywhere it's now pick up the models anywhere and teleport it back to be wholly within nine. So it's more of a recall spell. So um, for me, it's much more situational than what it used to be. And yeah, I just just don't think compared to the other marks, it it gives you what what you want. Um, The six up spell ignore is okay, but fundamentally now, Every every unit in the book has a five-up Mortal Wound Ward, basically, on all your Mortal Chaos stuff. So your survivability to spell magic is is a lot better. Um, Yeah, you can still be affected by spells that obviously don't just deal damage to you. But when you only had a one in six chance now of ignoring it, I'd rather just go for a different option that's going to do you a lot better.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a nice. I like it. It's a nice spell. But is it enough to pull me from Nurgle's corn or or slanesh? I think this the raw answer is no, especially because I'm going to need more units that are going to be zinch marked, and it's not enough incentive to me. But again, who knows what the meta? It's okay, but I just think the other ones are a little bit stronger than the rest.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And like you say, it, with the meta changes there, and we'll get to it in a bit. I'm sure the banner might be worth it for one unit.
0: I I did ask you a second part to the question before we move from this particular page. And I said, as a experienced Um, player, do you mark your whole army as one? Would you split up to two? Would um, you do little trios of like having three different marks? Like how do you see the mark system?
1: So At the moment, um, I am strictly a multi-mark person, especially with the um, different sub-factions. If you can get two banners in, then really lean in on that. Um, Like I say, I think that, that mark of Nurgle with the banner, I think, will just be in every army um because you want that one unit to really tie up your opponent as a roadblock whilst you get the rest of your force there um and then the rest of your army will probably be centered around one of the other two marks in slanesh or corn yeah um but yeah at the moment definitely two i'm not i'm not sure i'd go into three currently um and I'm probably never going to be just one mark, I'm going to vent- venture around and give the army what it needs. Um, just inherently um, waiting for the right opportunity to go in and do damage, you need something to hold your opponent there, and Nurgle leans into that so well, so um, def- definitely a mark of Nurgle.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think um, I-, I tend to agree most of my lists because the points went up in so many different units um I find that I am restricted in points. So I am finding that I'm probably best building two lists, having, you know, the offensive and the defensive parts or what people might know as the hammer and anvil. Having one really good anvil that can soak up damage, that can be really successful in defending, whether it is in expert conquerors, whether it's going to be the four, the five up rally, whether it's going to be like lots of wounds. You know, you know I think I can see a lot of Nurgle type anvils but then that, onf- that offensive play will likely be in the corn or the um or the S side. And, you know, between the host or Knights of the Empty Throne, there's a lot of good options for an offensive. Even Ravager's got some good offensive plays too. Um, we'll talk about that very shortly. But just, like, how I'm thinking about the marks is definitely two. I tried a third, and I'm like, I'm splitting my force too much. Maybe having, like, one hero that has a mark or, like, a, you know, but I'm mostly two.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree.
0: Jonathan's asked, would you ever go more than three? I'm struggling to do three. Like I'm, I think the question's better. Would you go more than two? And I think at the moment I'm struggling to get outside of two. I lose too many synergies.
1: No, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, for me, I my head wouldn't even contemplate going more than two as, as a competitive player. I'd... I'd be going all in on one with that one big blob of, you, you're you going to struggle to take this off the table um, with Nurgle.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so you got a couple of other things. You have um, some new heroic actions. So you had the Pledge to the Dark Gods and the Drawn on Power. Did you? Is there anything you'd want to call out on these particular ones? So these are obviously for um, heroes that have the Eyes of the Gods. So you can either roll three dice instead of two when you roll in the eyes of the gods table, um, or one of them is you get to roll three dice instead of two when it comes to casting a spell. But if you roll a double one, um, the miscast is a D6 instead of D3. So, um, I mean, one in 12, I mean, it's a a pretty high unlikelihood of doing double one, but it'll punish you if you you do.
1: Yeah, I mean... um... I love the fact there's a lot more utility around heroic actions now, um, and that you're getting away from just the core ones. Um, with the new art of the gods table, um, and a certain um, command trait or um, artifact with the chaos lords, um, you can really lean in on completing those actions to allow you to roll upon the art of the gods table. So, um, in certain scenarios the Pledge to the Dark Gods is gonna be really strong. Um, particularly if you combine it with, I believe the artifact that makes models ca- count as zero if they have one or two wounds. So you just run onto their objective, grab it off them, roll on the Eye of the Gods, and if you're lucky, you've got a Demon Prince. <laughs> um, if not, like your Karkadrak, roll a six on 3d6. I don't know, an eight, sorry, and you get plus one Rend on everything so the chances of you being able to really buff up those units and be guaranteed to do it you're not having to kill anything um if you know if they've got some expert conquerors on the objective and you just run to be within six and you get a free roll on the Eye of the gods table um i'd really lean into that and use that heroic action quite a bit um i don't really feel that the slave's army is that CP heavy at the moment. Um, so you can probably get away of using other heroic actions. Um, drawn to power. Oh, sorry. You're going to say something.
0: No, 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 no. I, I agree with you. I think, um, and, you know, I'm here. Uh, if you like the eyes of the God's table, I think it's definitely a, a very fun mechanic. And, um, it, you know, like, is it the most competitive of the sides? Well, I guess it depends on what you pull, right? if you can pull some of these really nice abilities um you know as you mentioned improve the rend characteristic of a melee weapon um you know there's some really cool things if you can get them at the right time eyes of the gods is incredible and there are some ways that you can get the eyes of the gods on your units as well so undivided especially a lot of cool fun and as uh, warpstone enjoyers also mentioned you can get yourself some demon princes now um how many demon princes would you want to have look one maybe two i guess if you're going to be having a summoning pool but um i don't know Hopefully, <laughs>
1: zero spawn
0: <laughs> yes obviously hopefully zero spawn um and in the past i think you, it was optional right you could just choose to now you must put the spawn down
1: yeah um, I do like the Demon Prince thing as well because potentially situationally you might not want the Demon Prince, and it allows you to then pick all the other options before it, and you can really use that utility.
0: I'll call. I, I want to call out one comment before you jump into the dawn on power because Jonathan's called that a really good comment. Is that it's not limited to a single cast spell, right? So if you go Cabalist, you go into like a multi-cast wizard, um, getting three D six instead of um, instead of two D six not bad not bad
1: no yeah completely agree with him um again um i really like it and i think for that the turn where you you need your demonic speed to go off or you have like you have to have mystic shield um because mystic shield now is ultimately one of your most powerful spells now we've lost all our other ways of getting plus one to their save so um, I think it's definitely risk versus reward is more in the reward favour um, and let's say you do roll that elusive double one and you miscast, you've, you've still got a one in six chance of it doing the d6 right doing the flat six so I'd like to think if um, I've rolled two ones the ones are going to keep on flowing and <laughs> it would just be the one damage but um yeah i really like the ability um particularly as uh he alluded to the the multi-cast and casting multiple spells on 3d6 and um yeah i think it's really powerful um and like i say especially of demonic speed i believe demonic speed went up to a casting value of seven instead of a six which it was in the book with the (laughs) errata.
0: We'll, we'll bring um, up the spell. We'll bring up the spells in a minute and we can c- yeah. kind of call out our favorites. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, Stefan, Master of Magic also helps there. If you want to get the reroll or cogs as well, um, that, that's a great way to double down on draw to power. Um, Morbid Angel um, asked, Does slaves have any coalition? So you used to have coalition, um, which meant that you can kind of bring in units that were like allies but not allies. Um, and it would help you exceed your um, your ally points, that's now been removed, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Stormcasts have, have kept it. Um, you've lost your coalition, so you must bring in just up to f- 400 points of your traditional allies. Yeah. I, yeah,
1: yeah, I just think um, Legion of the First Prince now is just... It's just not worth it. That that 400 points, you, you don't get enough utility out of it to just take demons. So. Well,
0: we'll get to the sub-factions in a minute and we'll talk a bit about what we like and what we don't like. There's a couple of clear winners, probably three out of the six are definitely probably my favourites. But um, do you have any favourite uh, command traits at all on, on the table? Again, we're not going to read all out. This is not story time with Coach. Um, yeah. Is there any particular command traits from the book? Or are you going into more things like Master of Magic?
1: Um, I think this is the, the rare time that um, you probably won't be taking Master of Magic a lot. Um, inherently, I've been known in the UK as having my wombo combo of Battle Reg, Arcane, Magic, uh, Arcane Tome and Master of Magic. And that, that's been me. I probably get it in 90% of my lists. Um, whereas now... Um, the idolator lord command trait Um, so you need to have that as your command trait if you want to be able to give your cultists a mark so um, if you want to lean in on all these amazing abilities within the book on your cultists you have to take idolator lord Um, and not only do you get that ability the the fact you can make something a priest um, is just so beneficial whether that's for curse for heal guidance etc um stopping fire
0: slayers and daughters of cain with their shenanigans
1: exactly it's so it's so good um and just being able to like like you say get rid of that heart of fury stop the fire slayers auto doing their grand strat. um but equally if you're running a load of knights and you curse a unit um if they weren't dead before they'd they're definitely dead now um but yeah i think all the lists i've written so far um i basically have an no Idolator lord um over master of magic so yeah
0: yeah i think I've, it's a refreshing I've... change I've gone Idolator Lord as well. Even just getting the ability to go uh, priest and getting some priest access is is very handy. I tried to do a Demon Prince General, and I'm like, oh, you know, bolstered by chaos plus two wounds is okay. I love that it becomes a monster. I I really like that. But like I'm struggling a little bit. I'm like, do I want a Demon Prince? And I think Idolator Lord is too strong. Even Arch Sorcerer getting access to the entire spell lore um are probably my favorites
1: yeah no um i like that one particularly if you do take the big bad boy arcane time. so you get the, the additional spell cast um but yeah i think i, I just think idolater lord is by far the standout um like you say the utility it gives you and um I think it's really cool that slaves are having the ability to just make someone a priest. There's, there's not a lot of that in any of the other books. Um, so I've, I really like it. And it's another reason why you may stay away from the war shrine because you've got that priest access.
0: Yeah. Another call cool out as well is that a lot of the, a lot of the cultists did get a glow up. There's some interesting little change, not just splintered Fang. There's a lot of cool things like Corpus cavol you can't target them. Yeah. Yeah. The unmade, there's a lot of cool little, little tricks in there. It's like previously it was like the untamed beasts and your iron golems were like the two cultists you'd always pick. Now I'm looking through the range going, okay, I like that. I like that. I could definitely see uses of multiple of the cults.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I think that's why for me, the idolator lord, like I say, it allows you to lean in on the cultists, give them give them the chosen mark. Um, I do agree with you from previous book to current book, there will be some changes in the ones you pick. Um, and I know myself and Toby have some different opinions on them, which is great for you because you've got another show coming up in a few days. Um, so we're we'll probably leaning on different things there. Um, but yeah, like the unmade. Um, that no redeploy within 12 is just our oh, chef's kiss. Um, like really utilize that utility, particularly around Chosen. Chosen want to get close to you and, and then piling that in with no no redeploy means you, you can stay on that eight inch charge rather than sitting just outside of nine and trying to get in. Um, so I think there's definitely, there's a lot of play around the new cultists, which is really exciting.
0: Mm, very exciting. And it's hard because like when we get to host of the ever chosen, it's like, man, I just want to put all my points into knights and to warriors. But then I look yeah. at the cultists, I'm like, oh, there's some good stuff as well. Yeah. Like, again, it's, I feel like a kid at a candy store, which is, um, which is helpful, but what about your artifacts? Yeah, I agree, I agree as well. Cor- Corvus Caval, I, I never thought about them in, in a unit selection. And now I'm like, these actually a nice little unit. Um, but artifacts, do you like any of these artifacts or which are the ones that stand out to you the most?
1: Um, yeah, so I love two of them. Um, one of them slightly more than the other. So I think Helm of the Oppressor is going to jump out to a lot of people. Um, however my opinion around it is the way the some lists want to play there isn't going to be anything left to rally Um, when you go in you're gonna you're gonna hit super hard Um, so I'm not sure how beneficial it would be it would definitely help you into certain things as a Um, slanish
0: player as a slanish player I feel like I need it but as a corn player I'm like I don't need it
1: yeah no no completely agree um it's yeah i think in my knights build um i just don't think i need it because i've got plus x attacks on all my mounts
0: are you marked um, or are you slanish
1: marked corn corn marked at the moment to make the most of those allies um but yeah i just think with with the way my list works um i don't think i need the helm I think it's definitely a case of you've got enough damage there that they shouldn't be allowed the opportunity to rally or potentially uh, inspiring presence. Whereas Mm. Conqueror's Crown, um, for me, is the one I'm going to take. Particularly for, like I alluded to earlier, rolling on that eye of the gods table by your opponent towing on that objective and you just run on, get within six, and just go, right, you don't count as anything. I've now got a free roll on the Eye of the Gods. Also putting that in with the heroic action, because you know you're instantly going to take it. You roll your 3d6, and you shouldn't turn into a spawn. Um, I I think that one, for me, um, in my builds at the moment, is my most favorable one. Um, And even in the mirror, right? If you're playing against a Slaves of Darkness mirror, and they've got that big blob of warriors on an objective you just go cool you you don't count for anything
0: i will say I, i agree with you by the way the other ones that really stood out for me and you tell me what you think is the helm of eldritch command um that was a really cool artifact because that is like the disciples of zinch where kairos instead of dispelling an endless spell, gets to basically take it over. So if someone has a purple sun, gnashing jaws, you know, quicksilver swords, any offensive predatory endless spell, you can literally take it over and sling it back to them, which could be quite powerful. And, hey, it's a free endless spell you didn't pay for. And if I was yeah. going to run a demon prince, I thought the strike first, the helm of many eyes. Basically, I'm a helm fan. Anything that's a helm right now, helm of Eldritch a command. Yeah. Um, if you built, like, an offensive demon prince, Strike first can help.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, particularly the Demon Prince. Like if you're going all in on the Demon Prince build and you've got the plus two wounds making it a monster, you then have a sub-faction that even gets another two wounds on top. So you're plus four wounds, strike first. Um, I think it's really powerful. The the Helm of Eldritch command. Um, I do like the ability. Um, if I had a wizard, I'm probably probably still going to hit my core rule book up and go and go and get my additional spell. Um, but I do, I do like the fact you can do the Kairos thing of just gaining control. And, um, particularly if they've got some pretty spicy endless spells, but I think, um, it's a lot more situational that one. So not all lists, your opponent will have endless spells. Um, whereas the other artifacts we've spoken about will, inherently be beneficial across all games
0: yeah i i agree I, I agree and you know to aragon your point as well around some of the cultists i agree i think some people have just gone to these automatic right you know there's a couple that have really stood out but signs of the flame perfect example is another unit where it's interesting especially now that we know gloom spike gets is going to be one of the next books if they go into a very horde focus and in the next general's handbook if we don't have gvs gladian veterans if we get back into zombie spam if we get into Gloom Spite spam if Skaven start running lots of clan rats absolutely things like signs of the flame could be an, a really good utility in your army especially if you're not taking something like the is it the sorcerer lord on manticore that has that horde clearing um spell that could yeah. be a great way to to resolve those types of attacks
1: yeah no i i agree it's it's just exciting that there's so many options. Um, and particularly at the back end of this GHB, we're really, we're really strong into it. Um, so it be exciting to see what's happening with the new one. Um, like I'm assuming Galician veterans are going, um, which, um, gives Splintered Fang even more of a glow up half the unit are on 25 mil bases. So I'm still fighting in two ranks. So um, it, it's going to be really good fun. I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully it coming out in January, be legal for LVO and uh, get to run slaves for the first time competitively in the new book, which, yeah, super pumped for.
0: Spells. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think the meta is going to shift a lot uh, when G- the GV drops but also at the same time, you got to remember the bonds of battle will likely drop as well. So thinking about ranges again, um, probably actually there's probably one thing we didn't talk about with the Chaos Knights. One of the things that I love about Chaos Knights is now you can fight in two ranks. It's got essentially a bonds of battle where in the – and I was talking to my mate Deke who's um, a massive Blood Knight fan, and it's so hard to justify taking a unit of 10 Blood Knights because only half of them really attack. But with the Chaos Chaos Knights, you can essentially fight in two ranks. If you take a unit of 10, which is a really tanky unit, all 10 can fight, which I think is glorious.
1: Yeah, no, um, that fight within half an inch on the turn you charge um, doubles your output. Um, So it's a really cool ability. Again, with the plus, you change your lowest dice to a four as well. your charges are not not guaranteed because it's a dice game and statistics don't always work in your favour. But um, the odds of getting in is so high, and then knowing you can get all of them into combat, um, even without like all the corn buff pieces, your your forty one attacks on the charge with yeah. just your lances. So you should should take off a lot of things with that, um, and you don't have to be too worried about how you pile in and trying to make sure everyone gets in. Um, yeah, really, a really nice addition to their rulebook text. So,
0: before we get into spells, Jeff's asked a good question. Actually, Mez, um, have we looked at the Cabalist Wizard Heroic Action Mutalith Vortex Beast combination? So, I'll be honest, uh, uh, no. Um, but I will say that I definitely have considered some of those. Right, the Soul Grinder, the Slaughter Brute. I've actually I looked at the Slaughter Brute. I went, this is actually not too bad. And the the Vortex Beast. I'm not going Kabbalists. I'm my eyes are laser focused on Host because I I, I love Chaos Warriors and I have still have my six edition original plastic chaos warriors um from the olden days so at the moment i'm my eyes are fixed on host just because i love the aesthetic but have you looked at cabalist and um like what's the the vortex Um, piece to again
1: i i haven't looked at cabalist um for me um going all in on the spell law i don't think is the strongest way this book wants to play and I'm sure it'd be good fun for a lot of people but i play the game for different reasons than the majority I, I like to go with trying to play the most competitive build and try and trying to win tournaments with it right um i think the cabalists having all your heroes no spells is all well and good but if you're investing in that you then also need to be investing in endless spells and it just gets really expensive for a a spell law which i'm sure we'll talk about the spells in a minute i think isn't the strongest that's out there in books at the moment there's some spells that really jump out that i think you're just going to need for a lot of builds but um the other spells i just don't think you're gonna going to be using as much unless you're going in on like the eye of the gods or yeah um the the one i have on all my wizards is demonic speed um so well they're on
0: screen now they're on screen so let's talk about them so there is uh, what six spells five spells you've got a blinding damnation spite tongue curse chaotic conduit uh ruinous vigor and demonic speed so again Are all five of them the same? Are there ones that you stand out? Like, what's your pecking order? How do you think about the spell law? Because I I looked at that, I'm like, there's some nice stuff. Definitely not enough for me to go all in on spell casting, but there is enough there where I'm like, yeah, I do at least want one or two casters to have access to these spells.
1: Yeah, so for me, fundamentally, um, demonic speed is, is the standout. Um, this game is all about movement and delivery. So the fact you can get a 3d6 charge on mounted units, um, including an Archeon. So you, re- you really are going to have to respect Archeon when you come up against him on a table, knowing he's got his 14-inch move and then potentially has the ability to 3d6 charge. It's going to strike a lot of fear into people, and they're going to they're have to respect that um, distance they keep between you and them, yeah. which which they can't do forever. Um as I said, I think the casting values changed in the FAQ they released as well, so it's now a seven instead of a six. Um but yeah, I think for me, I think in the two lists I've sent through all my wizards know demonic speed. Like yeah. I just need it to exist. Um I then think um ruinous vigor, um particularly if you're running Archeon and you've got even more spell casters, to have him always on top bracket um, would be quite quite powerful. Um, he, his um, bracketing is quite big anyway, so I'm not too worried if he's lost 10 to 12 wounds. He still packs out a load of damage. So um, I'd rather, like I say, I'd rather have that than fret of the 3d6 charge to really like full send him across the whole board. Um, and then the other three, um, I'm, I'm not really taking unless I have no other options. Um, the chaos conduit, conduit, um, is a good, again, if you're, if you're really looking to roll on the eye of the gods, it's the only reason I'll be taking it. Mm. Um, split tongue curse. I don't think it's changed at all from the previous book. So it's flat free mortal wounds. Um, which can be dealt back to you if it's unbound, um, with how strong a lot of spellcasting is in the game at the moment. Um, I'm not sure I want my wizards just having the potential to take three mortal wounds back. Um, Binding Damnation is an interesting one, because I had the cat um, for so long for the strike last ability, Um, and now this is arguably just better way of getting it however a seven on casting without rerolls isn't 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 the best um and again it's uh, the range is 12 and you can't teleport to get even closer and I think all
0: of all of the ranges yeah. are short they're all 12 like Jonathan called it out in the chat too that's very interesting like having a range of 12. Um, is very hard, especially if you're using things like demonic speed and your army's kind of running up the board or is stretched out. It is quite yeah. hard to be within range, and I, I wouldn't take spell portal just to increase the range, but it does make you think about how hard you go into the slave's spell range, uh, spell law.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but I, I guess for me, um, slaves haven't always, they, they aren't... Uh, spell heavy army anyway so their spells are never going to be completely broken and have all this amazing spell or there's there's a great utility around it and there's lots of um, differentiation between the spells they're not all trying to do the same thing. Um, you've got some that do damage you've got some that make you fight better you've got some that are movement related you've then got um, strike last and then the Eye of the Gods, which, um, like I say, could be quite good fun if you're just wanting to buff up another unit. It doesn't have to be cast onto a hero. Um, So if you're wanting to roll multiple times for your Chosen and make a unit of 10 Chosen as tanky as possible, then I think it's it's quite a cool spell to have. Um, But yeah, for me, Demonic Speed is my my auto-include.
0: Yeah, and like for me, who's running Slanesh at the moment, I can do demonic speed for the three D six, but I can also also then get the the um, the war shrine for another version of this. So if I want to throw up a unit of you know chaos warrior, not chaos warriors, two units of knights or a unit of Varangard and a unit of knights or a chosen, and you know I could be tapping into that in addition to the run and charge mark as well. So it makes your your threat potential incredibly. Um, you can get anywhere on the board. Um, which is it's great, but where I wanted to talk, Phil, I'm so excited about this part. So excited because this is this is the number one thing that got me into slaves, is the insourceal banners. I talked about the old Warhammer Fantasy where I could put a banner on my 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 knights. I could put banners on my units. I love this mechanic. I want to see a battle standard bearers come back in general. But in Sorcered Banners, as I mentioned, um, Slaves to Darkness will always get one in Sorcered Banner. Now, the in Banner must go onto a Chosen, a Warrior, or a Knight Unit. In addition, you can get extra banners either from Host of the ever chosen gives you one, or if you go into a, a battalion that gives you an extra enhancement, you could choose that enhancement to be an ensorcelled banner. So there are multiple ways as uh, getting banners, but it must be, again, on Warriors, Chosen, or Knights. And as I've already mentioned as well, you can't put two banners on the same unit, even if the unit had two standard bearer champion models. You just get one, one banner. What are your thoughts on banners high level? What ones stand out for you? Uh, Is there any particular combinations you like, you know, with with the chosen warriors or knights? Where are you at?
1: Um, I love them. I think if you're taking additional enhancements, you're probably looking at banners before you look at anything else now. Um, I, at a top level, um, there's... God, oh, there's, there's loads. I don't think any of them are bad, to be honest with you. I think they all have certain utilities. Um, the Eye of the Gods one is probably the lowest-ranked one I'd have. Um, Which one? The Eye of the Gods one um, for Undivided. So each time you get to roll on the Eye of the Gods day, you roll two dice instead of one and pick one for your roll with that unit. So that one, I feel, is really situational. So,
0: I the blasphemous icon i thought was the exact same as well where um and that's for the
1: priest yeah yeah
0: yeah you subtract one from from chant rolls from priests as long as they're not chaos so obviously again it's going to be good against fire slayers good against daughters of Cain. there's a couple of you know armies that are yeah but but it's so situational you don't get a lot of priests in the game in general i think that's like banner four banner three it's not my top
1: yeah so and then The other four, and I know I've been um, pretty negative around Zinch, Um, I think Zinch does pose its benefits, particularly as a of Darkness army inherently has always suffered in the shooting meta. So if that shooting meta does roll back round, um, that four-up ward against shooting could be really beneficial, Um, particularly with the new Lumen coming out with the mortal wounds. Um, and um I've always been pretty scared of um long strikes, even in the units of free, just for the double tap and shooting off key pieces or shooting off key units like Varenguard. Obviously, you can't give vanguard the banner, but the new like hammer unit, um, you can protect that a lot better. Um, however, there are free standouts which, uh, yeah, the Nurgle unit. Yeah, Learn, trade, play,
0: icon. nailing it, where ev- every every person who's read this has connected the dots to go 20 Nurgle Chaos Warriors with the Eroding Icon. And I think this is where the fun, Philip, you, you're going to tell me in a second, but the yeah. fun is when you start looking at the rules of the Unsaucle Banner, in addition to what the mark of Nurgle the mark of Nergal or the mark of whatever you're doing, when you start to see those start to synergize, you're just like, holy shite, this is powerful.
1: Yeah, it's um quite frankly, it's ridiculous and it needed to be nerfed before it came out, which shows you how strong it was, right? Um the fact that you're minus one to be wounded, so you're already at a huge benefit from not taking as much damage as you should anyway. To then reduce their rend by one on top of that is mental. Um, you combine that with a Mystic Shield, you're essentially plus two to your save, um, and you're just going to have this forty wounded blob of Nergal warriors that are going to sit there and laugh at your opponent and go, "What? What? What did you think you were doing when you charged me? Like, yeah. I." I played against a friend the other week and he had Marathi and an Incarnate and my 20 warriors survived over six rounds of combat just from the banner being Nurgle and on top of that Mystic Shield. So um, there's some real cool combinations that are going to make that banner like pretty much be included in every Slaves of Darkness army.
0: Question on Mark of Nurgle for a second. So Mark of Nurgle, subtract one from wound rolls that are going to target, which is great. Um, yeah. And we've already seen the minus the minus one to Ren from the banner. And the FAQ, folks, is that it's not a 12-inch bubble. It's just the unit. So super durable anyway. couple of thoughts here. First off, um, you know, Jonathan making a joke here, run a unit of 30 warriors. Now, what are your thoughts? 30 Chaos Warriors, Nurgle marked... And the banner of Nurgle. Is that overkill?
1: Uh I for me I think it's overkill. I think 30 is an awful lot in uh, a game of objectives. Um it's also like it, it could slow down the rest of your army if you're having that as your front screen and you've then got to run around this huge line of thirty warriors. Um I think the sweet spot is the twenty. Um,
0: and that was yeah. going to be my question because I've seen some people actually discussing because like 20 seems to be the sweet spot, but I wonder is 10 enough, you know? And outside, and I'm assuming outside of where that you know bounty hunter GV rubbish that hopefully should be over soon, but is 10 enough? Is 10 with the mark of Nurgle and the banner enough, especially in host with a five up rally?
1: Yeah, so, um, I I have been playing a few lists where I've had 10 and I've not had them in host either. I've had them in ravages because I only get the access to the one banner. Um, and uh, you'll be surprised how long they stay around for, even as a 10 man unit. And mm. if you're using them as that roadblock, which they they're going to be used as to help to wait for you to be able to get all your hammer pieces in. Um, you'll be surprised how long they hang around even as 10 against your God characters like Mirafi, because like I say, no one likes to be minus one to wound. Um, like the only way you're really getting there is either if you're on turn four, I think in Hagnar or turn three. Um, and if you have the triumph and if not, you're, you're going to be struggling to, to really take these guys off the table. Um, and again, minus one rend again mystic shield on top of that you've still got 20 wounds all that defense
0: put them on cover terrain all of a sudden it's like and that was kind of my thinking was you know was 10 enough and i think stefan mentioned perfectly here where um stefan said look it depends on the battle plan absolutely you know when we're fighting over eight objectives or six objectives um you might find 20 is too many and you can't spread your force out as much. But at the same time, if we're on like a battle plan with one or three objectives, then you're like trying to protect a home objective 20 with the Nurgle banner and the Nurgle mark is almost like, don't bother, go somewhere else, which could actually work in your favor.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's all situational. And um, the, the chaos armies have always lended themselves to, as few as objectives as possible. Um, I think with the new GHB, I'm hoping there's still only one that's eight objectives because I don't like having to spread my forces too thinly. Um, but yeah, I think 10, 10 is definitely viable, but for me, 20, 20 is where I want to be at. I want, I want this unit that's just going to hold you up the whole game. Um, and really slow you down. So unless you have a retreat and charge, I know you're not going to be hitting the pieces you want to hit. I'm going to, I'm going to force you into an um, an unwinnable situation where you've got 40 wounds to get through with a five up mortal boon save, maybe oracular visions as well. And you're just yeah. going to sit there and do nothing.
0: Yeah. That, that That's where I'm at, but I wanted to do you know, again, the pendulum 10, 30, you know, over under. What are the others? Okay, Nurgle aside, we know Nurgle is great. We're going to have it as our anvil. What about our hammers, right? Uh, and we talked a little bit about Zinch as well. Um, Slanesh and Corn. I like them both. I think Corn yeah. is definitely the stronger of the two, but Slanesh is not that far behind.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like I said earlier, um at the moment people are going to be really Corn focused because of the ally options, but. Slanesh, I I think when that book comes out, we'll probably take over. Um, Getting that additional attack on the charge, knowing your unit's gonna run and charge as well, um, Mm -hmm. is gonna be super powerful, particularly on units like Chosen, where you're really reliant on the delivery of them. So with the Chosen being able to run and charge get the additional attack. So unit of 10 is going to have 41. Um, six is hit doing a mortal. It's going to, it's going to make them really scary. Um, particularly then if you, like I said earlier, you've got a war shrine, you give them levitate. So you're making them fly, charge 3d6, run and charge. The The threat range is going to be huge and popping over screens um, like some people just won't be prepared for it at all um so yeah i think for me the slanesh banner um you will end up seeing quite a lot of um particularly on chosen i think um whereas the corn banner for me i think is going to lean more into the knights build um so the corn banner adding one to wound rolls innately it's not even just on the turn they charge it's just i'm always plus one to wound um and as i mentioned being plus one to wound against anything is usually really difficult yeah um so they're they're just going to be super effective um particularly like they hit on fours which knights i'm not too worried about like with how quick they are so to then wound on twos on top of that, I'm all right with. Um, so I think, yeah, Nogle and Corn are the top two. Slanesh is only just behind them for me. Yeah. Um, and I think Slaanesh will join them once the, the Blades of Corn book changes the way it's worded its allies
0: agreed agreed right now corn is buffed only because of the allies um, that you can bring in but we know there are two chaos books coming so we can only assume it's corn and slanish that are going to be upgraded unless there's a new a new chaos book coming maybe maybe they'll bring back chaos demons maybe they're taking it away from us and like 40k they've got their own codex fingers crossed um but you know, I, but I want I want to go to another point in a second. Like Aragon mentioning as well, when you look at the knights and the knights are already fast. They if they if they're slanesh marked, it's almost like too much redundancy because you can turn the lowest one of the dice rolls into a four, so it's a minimum of five. You add the mark of slanesh, that's now a minimum of six. Then the run and charge. Like, do you need all of this speed on a board that shrunk? The answer is probably no um but when you think about that in a chosen i think that's the perfect delivery mechanism of chosen with uh the mark of slanesh with the war shrine with the um the banner whatever it might be you know you get some real speed and and get them keeping up with the chaos knights your vanguard your archaeon whatever some of those other forces are going to be
1: yeah no completely agree with you um that um the chosen hit hard enough already plus one to wound i'm not too worried about on them but getting them down the table is where they struggle um so i think chosen will lean in on slanesh and like you said there's they are there are those pieces that are going to help with that the war shrine um as silly as it may sound unmade are going to help with that by by stopping that redeploy as well so there's a lot of really good um utility with the chosen around slanish
0: have you noticed any good allies from hedonet hedonites because i went looking for them and there wasn't a lot of synergy because i was because i was trying to find a way to avoid the you know because i mentioned earlier corn has the blood secretor the blood stoker i think the juggernaut of court as well has a nice little command ability that helps with us um But when I went on the other side of the fence, like there wasn't really a lot of internal synergies between Hedonites. I think maybe is it Dexessa or Senessa? I think there might have been some some little bit uh, of stuff when it comes to like issuing commands. But other than that, I think it was just, I think it was just like independent stuff or or Sigvold.
1: Yeah, so um, I did the exact same thing. As soon as the book came out, I went and looked at, basically every scroll across the chaos books to try and see what I could add in. Um, Maggotkin, there was literally nothing. Um, Zinch, um, I was wanting to do some shenanigans with Blue Scribes and then GW like sport my thunder straight away by saying I didn't know the spell law. So it saved me 30 quid, didn't have to buy one of those. Um, And then Slaanesh. from a synergistic point of view, nothing really. Um, however, as you mentioned earlier, Sigvald and benefiting from the War Shrine, having a 3d6 charge, um, really strong. And then for me, Bliss Bob Archers, um, give it, giving the Slaves of Darkness book <clears throat> a bit of utility where it really struggles in the ranged game. So to be able to shoot off screens if you need to. Um, I think a, a unit of eleven at most get another one in. Um, but I wouldn't be spending my whole four hundred points of allies on getting as many bliss barbs as possible because that's not the way the books have ever played. Um, but situationally it can be really beneficial to get rid of those screens.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that was yeah. kind of where I was look I was looking at <clears throat> bliss bliss barb seekers and the archers. I thought there's some interesting play in there there's a couple of things um i was looking like senessa and dexessa the two little mini keepers i thought there were some interesting ideas but when i'm looking at my 400 points of allies sigvold for 205 points is just a steal it's just an absolute steal that i'm like okay i've got another 200 points at best that i want to spend on allies because sigvold is just one that i always want to have in my slanish side
1: yeah and on top of that he's an amazing model so why why wouldn't you want him on the tabletop so i picked mine up a few months ago and he's now just been undercoated so I'm, i'll get him ready to have a few test games um and yeah see see how brutal that 3d6 charge is gonna be on people um particularly into nurgle with no ward save etc it's gonna it's gonna scare quite a few folks i think.
0: I just think he's also a good counter to, again, um incarnates, anything that's, like, very offensive, like pin a gargant down, pin, um, you know, any of these, like, iron jaws or some big beastie type thing. Um, He equally, with his, his save ability, is, is good defensive as well as offensive play, and for 205 points, so it, it keeps a lot of points still in your army.
1: Yeah, absolutely still. Ooh.
0: Yeah, it's a steal. Um, Your damn legions. um, Without going into too much detail, um, you guys can read. um, Are there ones that stand out to you? Um, And just FYI, the um, host of the Ever Chosen is a five-up rally, not a six-up rally. So just that's already been errated. So um, this is what's in print. Um, where do you stand on the damn legions? Are all six good? Are there ones that stand out more than others? I think I think I think we both agree that maybe three or four of them are probably the stronger ones.
1: Yeah, so for me, um for me there's two that I've been building like strictly around and that is host of the ever chosen obviously that at five up rally, double banner um, really. Like, you've got to have some plays if you're going to pass that up. Um, what's really interesting is this used to be the one that was strictly Archeon. And now I don't think that's where you're going to see him. I think Host of the Everchosen is where you're going to see all your, a lot of your knights, all your warriors builds, your chosen, etc. Um, however, Archeon doesn't doesn't need to be there. Where, where you'll find Archeon now... I think it will be Ravagers. I think he's really going to lean in on his command ability to allow people to fight on death and then the recycling of the units with heroic actions. Because um, being that, long, that long-time Archeon player, Archeon's always struggled with getting bodies around him and playing playing the like objective game and having enough pieces to not be spread too thinly. And so in Ravages, this really benefits him. So um, I've got like a more refined list that is a bit more balanced. And then I've got a list, which is two big blobs of 30 splintered fang and just going, well, you're going to kill me, but I'm probably going to know the future and I've hit you first. I'll die on the bounce back, kill what you've killed. And then I'm going to put another 15 of them back on the table, just with a heroic action, um, which all happens in the hero phase. So I get to move afterwards, then I get to charge you again. And we're just going to repeat this cycle of you're killing like 10 point models. And I'm going to be taking off some pretty big units with these cultists. Um, so I think that really leans into where Archeon didn't used to be his strongest which was bodies and now he's going to have so many bodies to play with
0: yeah because he doesn't need the war shrine anymore like that was always the combination right you'd always have Archeon and the war shrine now he's got the native five up ward plus the extra five wounds that's extra points you can put into the cultists and you know jonathan mentioned mentioning you know legion of the first prince and like i'm rereading legion of the first prince and I look at that ability, right? Start a hero phase, I can choose an undivided, you know, I I can mess around with some marks. I'm like, I I just don't see it. And if if the second part with the Infernal Servants, if I could have coalition demons, I'd feel different. But the fact they've got to be allied and I'm restricted to 400 points of allied bloodletters, pink horrors, blah, 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 to me that is just like it's not enough for me to run the de- legion as much as i love my demons i just uh, no. i wish it, i wish they kept the coalition side
1: no i completely agree with you um i think it's it doesn't have the tricks that it wants to have or used to have um and you're really you're really taking it for just playing around with that i believe it's the one unit you can flip its mark each turn and I don't i don't see how that outweighs a five up rally or additional banner etc um so for me legion legion is one that's right down the bottom of my pecking order
0: i, I don't mind despoilers like add, adding two wounds to a despoiler monster so if i'm gonna run you know a um uh, a sorcerer lord on manticore or a chaos lord on manticore and maybe I'm going to do Soul Grinder or some type. Like I don't mind a spoiler, but I think it's just Knights of the Empty Throne, Host, Ravagers, even Cabalas to a degree probably have a little bit of a stronger, um, a stronger build. But hey, if the Next General's Handbook goes back to like a monster focus, maybe Despoilers is a nice little play because there is some nice things that have happened to the Soul Grinder. Um, I remember looking at that going, oh okay, I'm 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 now reinterested in the Soul Grinder again.
1: Yeah, like the spoilers, I think, definitely has an option, Um, particularly if you've got that Demon Prince General. So your Demon Prince becomes a monster, gets an additional two wounds. Um, Same as Bellacore, right? So Belichor can find a new home and get an additional two wounds this way, Um, considering um, he doesn't have a ward save, but he's got a four-up unmodifiable save. So, I think the spoilers could be his home now. Um, I saw a comment just pop up about Archeon having 27 wounds in this, no, it's but 25. I just...
0: 25. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, in this one, 27. Like, yeah, nah.
1: Nah. It's, just, it's just not worth it. Like, those extra two wounds aren't needed. Um, so I think you're better off in the other sub factions. Um. I also saw one with Archeon again in Knights of the Empty Throne because it allows him to run and charge. Um, Again, personally, I don't think you need to at the moment. Boards are so small that even starting 22 away from your opponent, that's an 8-inch charge off the bat without casting demonic speed. So
0: uh maybe potentially linkers calling out uh, uh locked lock to Legion the first prince so we can't even do that so uh right. potentially good good call out there but um and Knights of the empty throne are decent and we'll have Toby to talk about that in a, in a couple of days time so I know Toby's a big yeah. fan of his Baron guard so yeah. um the, the I coat think
1: what, goat as he's known
0: I, I think what I'm hearing from you is host is good Ravengers is good Kabalas has some play. The spoilers yeah but you know is it as good as host um knights has some play um legion is probably the one that i would use the least i think it's just it's been nerfed too much
1: yeah no i can completely agree um like i said my the two that i really build around are hosts and ravages i think you've got to have a lot going on if you're going to look past those two
0: we might need to see if Arkan is also locked. He might be locked. So, but either way, I think the the concept is clear. Whether uh, the the rest of the monsters could with the spoilers get a couple of extra wounds. But I think we both agree. Even if he wasn't locked, it's not worth putting Arkan into the spoilers. You know, it's just it's it's not worth it. Obviously, you can if you want to. Um, your battle line. I'm going to sk- skip this really quickly. There's a lot of great options in battle line. Again, depends on GVs and what the new meta looks like. I think. There's so many great options. I don't have an issue filling my, my battle line in this book. <laughs> no. It's just not a thing.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's an awful lot.
0: Um, I do like that, you know, Ogroid theridans can be battle line if you want to build into that, like, Battle Cattle type. You've still got your varengard, uh, And if you want to go Furies in Legion, awesome. That's, that's great. Um, wh- wh- where do you stand on the Grand Strats in the Battle Tactics?
1: Um, the grand strats, I'm not. I'm probably not going to pick any. I think there's better book ones that are easier to achieve. Um, however, battle tactics and um, there's definitely some that have their plays. Um, the rolling of the eye of the gods one again leans into the list building with the crown and kind making units not count on objectives. Um, so you, you've got potentially a guarantee in that one. Um, You've got the killer priest or totem, really strong, like again, situational, but um to have any other battle tactic that allows you just to kill a singular model can be quite beneficial. Um, the charge with three or more units, if you go in that cav heavy and you're right down the table and you you know you've well you've got the double turn, you'd be pretty unlucky to roll a few three inch charges, I think. So mm um there's definitely a lot lot of options in here however i wouldn't pick the grand strat that is do four of the battle tactics below
0: i Um, I was gonna say i was gonna say just imagine we go into the next gbh and they're trash or let's say there's no grand strategies at all i think there might come a time where you know everyone's got grand strategies and battle tactics that maybe they'll reduce a lot of the general's handbook ones if you had to if you had to pick a grand strat out of this list which what which, which one would it be like for me i think dominating presence is probably the one i'm going towards to get the, the having something in each of the quadrants um
1: yeah so for me that would be the standout as well however you'd have to build your list to uh, have that more achievable i think a lot of the lists at the moment probably have five or six units maybe maybe seven so to know you've got to keep four of them alive um, isn't going to be that straightforward so mm. it's not like the book one where you can just have that one unit in the middle of the board hitting all four table quarters um, I believe you specifically need one in each yeah. so um, yeah it, it would be that one that was the one we were potentially having for um team england at six nations this weekend just to free up other grand strats for other people um however it turned out that we were allowed to get in the the one where i just needed that one unit in all four quarters um yeah the the
0: the other one that stands out for me like if i'm not going to do dominating presence is probably a master of the dark ritual but it's still risky right like you know do i want to take a slaves to darkness endless spell am I going to keep it around for the five rounds? And is it going to stop me? You know, like what happens if my opponent at the bottom of turn five unbinds it? Like there goes my, it's too risky for me, which is why dominating presence was probably my favorite of the four.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like ones where potentially your opponents can't just completely stop with one thing they can do. Obviously they can kill your units to stop you doing it, but they've got to engage you whereas one where you can't interact with them to help them deny it i'm not not a huge fan of um and particularly again you've got a you've got to have an endless spell and it's extra points that i probably don't want to be spending
0: yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah that that's i think we're both on the same page do you like any of these core battalions? i mean if you go on vanguard this is one one of them is a Toby one so like vanguard happy days do the overlords of chaos when i was looking at the chaos warband i'm like it's not bad i just don't think the benefits were strong enough like unified or slayer i'm like "Eh, i'd rather warlord or battle reg or magnificent or something you know like command entourage sorry
1: yeah so for, for me um i'm not picking the core battalions um I'm a strictly battle reg only with Archeon, um because you need to really utilise that knowing the future. Um, so to be able to win the roll off and just choose to go second, um, I, I can't pass that up ever. Um, I know a lot of people this year have done Bounty Hunters, but um, I, it always baffles me. Um, and then the other builds, I think you're looking at, additional artifacts so if you're going command entourage or warlord um but yeah these these two warbands i don't think you're going to get that many chaos warrior units in there and um i'll let toby tell you about varangard but that's a lot of varangard (laughs) that you're going to need to take
0: yeah my, my current list has two units of varangard so it's not enough to go into overlords of chaos and you'll notice that the chaos war band says that you've got to have up to four, four units of, um, of um, uh, slaves to darkness units that are not behemoth, not uh, Varengard, And um, like, it, it's just it, for me, it's, it, that one's too restrictive. And I think I'd rather just get a third banner to be honest, if I'm going to, if, if, if that's what I want, or I'm going to go yeah. another spell or another artifact.
1: Yeah, no I, I completely agree i think i think the core battalions within the ghp are far better than than these ones
0: i like i like the cows warband if i scaled back my Varangard and i went more knights or more chosen i could see some use with the cast warband um yeah and i think you know aragon you've you know War warband is okay when you're going msu but you, you you probably still find yourself having at least two drops so um yeah it depends on where you, where you're going, but I know where you're going and that is one of your two lists. So um to give us a bit of, like, there's so much in this book, right? We we have scratched the surface with units and talked about some of the things we like and some things we don't like, but again, it took me two hours to go through all of the rule changes in the book. You've started to put this into theory, right? Like where is, where is Phil thinking about from a list perspective and you've provided two lists. So the first one here is the host of the ever chosen. You've gone no place for the weak and indomitable for your triumph. You've got yourself a chaos lord on demonic mount. You've we do a whole bunch of you know beautiful things. You've got the chaos lord, so you've got two sorcerer lords. Um, you've got yourself a unit of, two units of chaos knights, a unit of, t- of 20 chaos warriors, um, a blood secrator and a blood stoker, both being allies from the blades of corn wrapped up in a bounty hunter and a warlord for the extra artifact. So may, maybe talk to me a little bit about how does this work? What is it doing? Why have you chosen what you've chosen? Like, give me give me a, a bit of an idea of what's going on here.
1: Yeah, so um, for me, this this is the list. If I had a tournament this weekend, this is what I'd run. Um, I feel that it it does everything that I want to do. It, it hits really really hard I've, I've played a lot of games of it and i've been quite surprised by the way it deals its damage um whilst being extremely survivable so um i'll be totally honest it's all centered around the chaos lord on demonic mounts ability um and if i had another 50 points to play with that would be a karkadrak and um, so the ability that it has is that strike first ability on the turn it charges and then i get to pick a unit of ten knights wholly within twelve well a unit of knights holy within twelve it just so happens i have ten of them um and then they get to immediately fight and then on top of that i get to then do the first um activation in the combat phase which is another unit of ten knights, probably so i should be hitting my opponent with my chaos lord and 20 knights before they get to interact with me um, it's all then designed around the banner having the plus one to wound means I'm going to be going, I'll be charging a flank where there probably isn't a monster to roar me, so I can guarantee I get my all-out attack, and um, so I can be threes and twos. Then I then have my sorcerer lord that I've got arcane tome on one of them because I do really want to be casting free spells. I want to be casting mystic shield demonic speed and demonic power so demonic power has changed in this book and it's now plus one to hit and plus one to wound and that would be being cast on my other ten knights which don't have the banner so they will hit exactly the same as the ones that do and they can go towards where the monsters are that might roar them etc so I'll, i'll consistently be on freeze um so Those two units are already really punchy without the next two pieces, which are the blood secretor and the blood stoker. Um, I think I sent you the wrong points to the blood stoker. He's only 80 instead of 120. Um, I was going to
0: say, I was going to say, because I remember when I was building my list and those two in total become two Oh five. And then when you bring Siggy in, Sig, Sigvold is two Oh five as well. So it's easy for me at the moment to switch between the two and I can have the exact same list, but just swap out those two allies. Um, Yeah. But either way, you're still under points. Um, Exactly. Um, what, what do those two do given like the, they're beast, the beast of chaos, they're blades of corn. So if I haven't yeah. looked at blades of corn, like where's, where's the current synergy work with these two current, I, I, I underline that put it in bold because yeah. it's on borrowed time.
1: Oh, exactly. So like, like I said, I'm going to be using and abusing this and, until it changes. So the, the Blood Secretor has an ability which has a aura Holy of In 16 that allows for plus one attack for corn units, not blades of corn, just corn. So I get I get the benefit from that across all my models except my Sorcerer Lords and my Warriors. So um, I'm looking at then on the charge my Chaos Knights would be five attacks each. So I'm 51 attacks. Um, with that unit of 10 and then the blood stoker gives you uh, aura again holy within eight but this time it's plus three to run and charge and um, reroll all wound rolls so again utility around it is it's strictly corn so what you're looking to do is the unit that you probably don't have demonic speed off on You're giving them the plus three to their charge. So you're then charging 2d6 plus three, charging the lowest dice to a four, and you're trying to really utilize the mechanics around getting all three of these pieces into combat. Um, So you've got those three real hammer units going down the corn route and really utilizing the abilities of the allies. And then we've got that 20 Blobber Warriors we've talked about. So this list, I believe, is an eight drop. Um, so there's no guarantee that I'll be going first. Um, I think your opponents can have to deploy quite well um, if they're going to um, give you first turn, because um, if they're going to sit right on the edge of 18, um, I'm more than happy to full send this into someone's army. Um, yeah, and...
0: this... This is the type of list that if you're given first, you've got the threat range to go aggressive. But if you if you're given second, you've got some durability that you don't mind. Um, the yeah. only thing I want to call out is obviously is that the blood secrator will force you to re-roll your successful casts within sixteen. So you just have to be mindful of where your sorcerer yeah. lords are, especially if you're trying to pull off like demonic speed.
1: Yeah. So um, what I tend to do. Um... He will be my like last drop usually so I can see like where where I need to hit people. So I usually will deploy with knights on either flank, but wholly within 12 of both wizards. Um and then my blood secretor will be exactly 16.1 away from my wizards because I don't want to be re-rolling any of my spells. Um like to successfully cast a seven and then have to re-roll it anyway. Yeah, I've got I've got no time to be doing that. So um it does come down to deployment and just knowing your ranges, um, which inherently I will pre-measure and just make sure I can make get my um blood blood secretor away from that. Um, and then his aura is quite big. So if you run him down the table, you can probably hit quite a few enemy wizards turn one as well um so i've played against luminef with him and he's been like mvp just by going uh can you re-roll that please especially total eclipse because i hate that spell um and then yeah so it it just comes down to knowing knowing what your army does and just knowing your rangers and keeping them outside like this is something you can control um i've just seen someone say why indomitable and yeah um, yeah
0: why 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 the triumph is indomitable instead of inspired or something else
1: um so correct me if i'm wrong but is indomitable plus is that auto pass or is it or i'm trying to i've I've,
0: they've changed so much um
1: so (laughs) i've think (laughs) gone for
0: the what do you want mate
1: um i think i'm going the um inspiring presence one um because there's so much in the game that can just force you to run away um yeah it's been it's been a long few days for me so i've probably made a mistake if that's not the right one and it's all right so um yeah i don't i don't feel you need the plus one to wound when you've got the utility to do that anyway i don't really need the re-rollable charges um the fact that there isn't any battleshock immunity in here um, I think just having it once would be quite beneficial. And at nineteen seventy-five, you've got a good chance of getting your triumph, but not guaranteed.
0: Well, your your list should be a little bit cheaper as well because I think you've overcosted the Blood Secreter or the Blood Stoker. But um, the other the other consideration as well is there's a lot more armies now coming out with no inspiring presence. You know, Mega Gargans yeah. can shut off inspiring presence. <laughs> uh, Daughters of Cain have an ability shut off inspiring presence um so having something like a triumph to, to to stop battle shock that is an inspiring presence actually isn't a bad card to have up your sleeve especially with those 20 chaos warriors that if you find yourself you know super durable but running from battle shock it's nice just to have up your sleeve
1: yeah no, i completely agree uh
0: anything else you call out on this list or do you want to go to your second one i mean host of the ever chosen as we've mentioned you get a second in banner which is great uh you get the five up rally on your chaos knights your chaos warriors your varangard, and your chosen so um really yeah. does lead you into like spending a lot of points where, which is where you've reinforced all three of those knight slash warrior units and yeah. to, uh, to, to Aragon's point as well, you know, even without corn, this is a strong list. And if you don't want to go into the blood secretor, blood stoker, you could make this a slanesh list, and it wouldn't change that much.
1: Exactly. That, that's what I've tried to do with a lot of my list building in this edition to give me the flexibility to, once these pieces do change, um, I can adapt to that and not not be heavily reliant because essentially, you probably look at trying to get another enhancement maybe and then get that third banner in and the other 10 knights become slanesh so then you have three banners and you've got 10 knights. all 10 knights are getting plus one attack on the turns they charge um mm. but yeah trying trying to make sure i've got options for when things change um and yeah the the list the list is strong it, it hits like a freight train and once even when the blood secret is gone and you're outside of the range of the blood stoker um it is pretty oppressive
0: yeah and there's other good options from the ally pool as i mentioned i think it's a juggernaut, juggernaut of corn as well as a nice little addition there's a couple of little synergies but just know that the blades of corn um will likely get war scroll updates when these new books drop which we know is coming probably in the next eight four months so don't go spending your dollary dues uh, unless you've already got them. Uh, Or if you're like me, you pay 20 bucks to get both the blood secretor and the blood stoker, but I, I wouldn't spend a lot of money to get those units. Um, the second list you've given me is a Ravagers list, so a little bit different. You've got Archeon, the Everchosen, which is awesome. We want to see the Big Bad Daddy with the Sorcerer Lord as well, um, Idolator Lord, Arcane Tome, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, you've gone a little bit harder on your Cultist, having 30 Splintered Fang, two units of Untamed Beasts, as well as that big hammer unit that is the Chaos Chosen. And I think when you start to reinforce things, you'll notice how quickly your points go up. There's one quarter of your army in the, in the the chosen unit alone, let alone, yeah. you know, what Archeon's doing as well. So you do find your points disappear quickly.
1: Yeah. So this list is, um, it's quite different to the first one. Um, it's a lot more bodies, a lot more presence on the table. Um, I didn't want to be that guy that just sent you a list that just had all splintered fang on it, so I thought I'd um, could give you something a little bit different. Um, nice. So, th- again, like, yeah, you would like Master of Magic on your Sorcerer Lord, but you have to take the Idolator Lord to give you or splintered fang that mark of slanesh to give them run and charge. Um, the biggest issue with them is the delivery for them, so the fact that you can go auto-six them and the tables and then the movement 12 and then get the charge off the back of that as well um, can be super impactful. Um, I still think Untamed Beasts are incredible That's keeping their pre-game move, it really helps you into certain alpha strike armies that are gonna look to get into you turn one, um, particularly as this list will inherently look to give the turn away. So you can help screen out your pieces Um, the 10 chosen for me um, they're going to work as both the hammer and the anvil of this army they're going to do the exact same job Um, I've put them in Nurgle just because um, I'm not rallying on the 5 up so I need that survivability they don't have the inbuilt 5 up mortal wound save like your knights and your warriors have so I'll be looking to get my iracula onto them Um, and hopefully I'll roll a six on the eye of the gods to make them run to to give them the even more of a punch that they don't need and um, this so and that...
0: this, this list is quite light on bodies but the Ravengers ability allows you to recycle units so you know if you're yeah. thinking about this going on there's only what six units on the table the, the ability to re, you know to be recycling some of these cultist units um all of a sudden means you're actually like nine ten units as opposed to the six so um, and yes, you know, Aragon, you've mentioned, you know, I, I expected 80 snakes. Again, I think one, you're showcasing a few more of the cultist units, which is awesome. Two, I think we all agreed that Splinter Fang is a bit too good for their points, whether they'll get a rule change or a points increase. Um, I do feel that they're on probably borrowed time for what they do.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. Um, and I also thought it'd probably be a bit of a boring way to like talk about the list if I just went. So I've got Archeon, I've got a Sorcerer, I've got two units of 30 Splintered Fang, and then I've got some screens. Um, whereas this is like you say, showcasing some other bits of the book. So chosen for one, like brand new models, super cool, hit like an absolute freight train, and then to like even just be a Nurgle, like you've got. You've got the other pieces people need to be worried about in this army you've got the mortal wound output for those armor saves that you can't get through um so even with only having 30 splintered fang in um, the mark of slanesh you've got 96 attacks with that unit if you can get them all in so you're averaging 16 mortal wounds on their first fight you're probably forcing them to make another 40 armor saves um with the fact that they've wound on a two up um and then Again, with with the Archeon ability to fight on death, but before that, knowing the turn sequence for that second turn. So inherently, I'm always going to roll it top of one, um, but bottom of one if I'm going second to try and work out if I'm doubling you. Um, But again, it will also depend on how my opponent plays their first turn. If they sit back quite defensively, I'm not going to waste it if they look to push, and I think I can get a couple of pieces in turn one, I'm going to use it. Um, and then the knowing that future can allow you to dictate where you want to fight, and you just won't put your splintered fang in a place where they can get roared um, to stop Archeon using his command ability.
0: Can I just rewind that ability for a second? Because that was an that was ability that used to be on one no, of the sub chose. what ho- yeah it used to be a sub faction rule that is now a war scroll ability but it used to yeah. be once every turn you now it's once per game so for yeah. the folks at home who maybe haven't quite unpacked the archeon um war scroll yet can you tell me what what do you, what is it and how does it work
1: um so it's now um i believe it's the ability for the eyes of so um essentially you have this once per game ability where you will roll a dice in your hero phase and on a one to three your opponent has to go first in the next battle round and on a four plus you have to go first so it used to be used to hide the dice from your opponent and you could do it every turn and now it's once per battle and your opponent knows so i don't think you're ever going to be using this ability when you're going when you're going first in a battle round, because you don't want to then be giving your opponent free information in the fact that they're potentially doubling you. Mm. Um, Because a lot of people want to try and sit off a slave's army as long as possible, because they know the output is quite frankly ridiculous when it gets to combat. So they're looking at trying to mitigate that as much as possible. So the ability to know you're doubling someone or know if you have the opportunity to, is so powerful. And the fact that it's once per game now, I'm, I'm totally fine with. Do I wish it was every round again? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, but I appreciate it's such a strong mechanic that um, changes the way in which the game is played. So to have it once only, it's still super strong.
0: And there's there's a caveat as well where if there's two archons on the table, so if it's a mirror match, it can't be used from memory. So, yeah. um, if it's like that Spider Man meme where you're pointing at each other, or the Battle of Undertakers, <laughs> but outside of that, it, 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 it's it's so powerful because it means um, you will know if you're being aggressive or if you're if you need to be defensive. Like if you can't land a charge guaranteed, you may play conservative. You know, move yourself onto objectives. You know how to manage your CP moving forward because, you know, are you going second? Are you going third? Um, It it is valuable. Um, I think, again, it's it's a a one-off ability. I think you've raised a really good point. Using it when you're going second in the turn can be quite powerful as opposed to doing it at the top of the turn and giving your opponent a free information that you're going double means that they can be super aggressive and they can be, um, maybe play a way they wouldn't normally play.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just, I just don't think any any player will ever use it that way. Um, like giving your opponent that information that they're getting the double, like it's so powerful, and that that's why you take Archeon. You're taking him so that you know if you're doubling your opponent. Um, as, and you're paying you're paying quite a lot of points for that privilege. Like that that will be factored into his eight hundred um, and sixty points, and. The other great thing about Archeon is you pick his mark at the beginning of the game. So you don't have to have the same mark for a whole event. You can see what you're playing against and be like, right, okay. So you're going to hit me like an absolute freight train. So I'm going to go Nurgle. And I've got damage output already, but now I'm going to be even more survivable. So with my 5-up ward, my 3-up save, my minus 1 to be wounded you're gonna to have to be prepared to engage me for a while if you want to lift my Archeon off the table um yeah
0: no I, I was just gonna say uh, like I'm con- I am conscious of time and uh you have literally just flown back from America and I would talk to you till the cows come home but I, I I'm, I'm thinking maybe like we start wrapping up but I, I you know given that you are the number one Archeon fanboy and you are what I've heard the fourth head on D- droga ha- Talk to me about Archeon. Talk to me about the way, because you've been using him for a long time. And I think, you know, if anyone's going to be able to help me understand how to use essentially half of my army points in one model, when you look at this war scroll, what can you tell me as the key key abilities that you draw upon? Um, How do you use him? How do you make sure he doesn't die early on? How do you not waste him? So, like, how do you make the most of this essential 900-point unit? Because he's got a lot of stuff, right? You know, you've got the four up spell shrug. You got the, you know, the inspiring presence rally shutting off within twelve. You've got three options from the monstrous rampage, from the three headed titan, the five up ward. You deal, you know, you, you you know, you've got you've got so many rules here.
1: Yeah. So for me, um, Archeon fundamentally is still a huge piece in the army. Um, like you say, he's got so many abilities, but that that no inspiring presence or rally now is essentially doubling the output of every piece of damage that you do. Um the and with that you're allowing certain armies that would normally pose you a threat like Daughters of Cain and Bow Snakes, like with them rallying on a four up, they're gonna they're now really going to struggle to get all those pieces back. Beasts of Chaos are an army that if you paired me into it against a good player right now with the old book, I'm I'm pretty mortified with how well I need to play in order to get any result out of that game. And But now the ability to shut off that really strong piece of a Beasts of Chaos army or a Daughters of Cain army to rally on a four is huge. Um mm and that along with knowing the turn sequence again like like i say, i'd pay i'd pay 100 points plus on any army list to have the ability to know that turn priority once particularly on a turn where you need it to happen to try and win a game um and then i think not... sorry
0: yeah no keep going keep going i i'm um, gonna i'm gonna lead i'm gonna lead you to a couple of questions that i've kind of got but finish off your thought
1: Okay, um, I was just going to say, I think he, he now performs a much different role than what he did in the previous book. Um, I used to use him as this big deterrent that would sit in really awkward places for my opponent, but mainly be there for my vanguard to buff them to oblivion. And over the course of the games that I played, my vanguard would win me games and Archon would look into the future um without really having to engage as much whereas now he needs to be down that table in amongst the thick of it um so i'm looking forward to uh getting him on the tabletop still and um hopefully continuing to be known in the uk as as this as the Archion guy so i'm really excited for that
0: you are all right i'm gonna lead i'm gonna lead you to a couple of questions i got so the melee profile is pretty good he's got some good damage output but he's only maximum rend 2. so you know with with finest hour all that defense mystic shield blah 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 like he's got good attacks but it's just not good enough other than obviously slayer of kings Yeah. Who do you prioritise as he's combat focused? Do you go for the big monster? Are you going to go for the big troops that you can, you know, shut off inspiring presence? Are you going, like, how do you use him in combat?
1: Um, I'm going to be using him probably to fight the elite units. Um, If I can roar them, I can stop a lot of their survivability um, built in with that inspiring presence. Um, And then because he's going to be down the table. A lot of the time, people use um, Finest Hour in your opponent's turn, so they're inherently going to waste it. Um, Obviously, if I'm locked in combat with you already, then you've got the ability to pop it and try and survive for a turn. But um, I'm using Archeon and his ability with the Eye of Shirin, the Crown of Domination, to dictate where I'm going to fight. So because I know the turn sequencing, that once per game, I'm going to go in, hit where I want to hit, which are going to be your elite hammer pieces. And I'm going to look to lift those with Archeon in hopefully one swing. Um, I'm always going to have a Sorcerer Lord with him. Like the, f- the one spell I'm trying to get off is Demonic Power, so I'm mostly twos and twos. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i prioritizing elite units over big scary monsters i've got other units in in my army such as the splintered fang that they're going to go and hunt your big scary monster because i've got the mortal wound output from them and if i spike i spike and i might just lift you
0: yeah it's it's you're tempted to use the slayer of kings and try to auto delete that hero but you're 100 right i actually agree with you that going for those elite you know elite units whether it is the you know dragons or forminators or going into something that will get you value of the attack profile but also shutting off inspiring presence that combination because your hero general doesn't care about inspiring presence whoop you do, but those elite units that you're paying good value and by the way saga of dice i'm actually disappointed as a brit that you have been calling it the eye of ed sheeran so uh <laughs> It is definitely the eye of Ed Sheeran. I actually said that in my chat and people are like, I don't know if you noticed, but you said eye of Ed Sheeran. I'm like, yeah, it's that's what the rule <laughs> is. But yeah. talk to me more about the other rules, right? You you've got a double caster wizard here. Are there particular yeah. spells that you want him to cast? Is it like Mystic Shield, Arcane Bolt? Are you going for other spells? Like what are the spells that you in the ideal situation you're going for?
1: Um, so for me, um, because I've got my Sorcerer Lord uh, with Arcane Tome, I'm predominantly using my Sorcerer Lord to cast Demonic Power and Demonic Speed. So that turn I'll be procking the um, Heroic Action to cast on 3d6 to make sure I get all of those off with the Sorcerer Lord. Um, with Archeon, I then have will be casting Mystic Shield as probably his most primary spell. Um, and then I do just have him as a Demonic Speed as well, because your Sorcerer Lord is going to be such a key piece for your opponents to take out that once you've lost that utility of Demonic Speed, you still want to be able to use it. Um, it was the same in the old book. I'd, both, I'd have them both with Mask of Darkness, um, because you need the ability to get around the board as quick as possible. And that 3d6 charge really leans into that.
0: Do you think, from a War Master, war master perspective, because he can be brought into Blades of Corn, Disciples of Zeench, Mangakin of Nurgle, and Hedonites, do you think that's a worthwhile investment? Again, it's 900 odd points. Um,
1: um I think only maybe in Blades of Corn. Um, in in the others, I don't think so. Um, he doesn't get to do the um, favored Warlord ability in the other books either. Um, so I think in Zinch, in Nurgle, even Slanesh, I think you're better off getting in-book utilities out of it for the 860 points that you're putting in. Um, in Corn, you can basically do it in this book anyway and get him buffed to the oblivion. So um, yeah, for me, I think his best home will always be in a pure Slaves of Darkness army.
0: He, he could be all right with depravity. He could be all right in, in Hedonites of Slanish, but I think you're right. I think if you want something, you're probably unfortunately going in incarnate, which I hate to say. Um, is there any keywords that you, you prefer more than others when it comes to the favored warlord? Again, corn, zinch, Slanish, Nurgle, um, and undivided?
1: Um, so for me, um, it's Nurgle and Korn. Um They're going to be the two that I'm going to flip the most between um, because I either want him to be really fighty or I want him to be really tough. So um, again, situationally, it would be, can this army do the damage it needs to do to really threaten my Archeon? No, then I'll go Corn, and I'm just going to look to hit even harder than I already do. Um, and then, if it's going to look to impose quite a threat like dragons and fulminators, etc., then I'm going to go Nurgle and I'm going to make you minus one to wound me to really minimize the amount of saves that I need to make.
0: Probably the final question with Archeon would be the three headed Titan. Is there any. So we've already talked about you know raw. Raw is a great ability that's generic to everybody or every monster. But you got the three heads right. You got filth spewer, uh, skull, skull gorger, and spell eater. By the way, I dislike that they've turned that into a monstrous rampage. I did like that as a hero, a hero ability, and I feel like you've lost a little bit because slaves traditionally doesn't have a lot of monsters. So to do Titanic jewel, raw, stomp, smash to rubble, and then these other three. It just seems yeah. like you get one of seven where
1: yeah i i, I completely agree i am um, i'm not too thrilled that it's a rampage um they're gonna have to have some really good endless spells for you to pass up roaring stuff or what have you um but i don't think i'm i don't think i'll ever really chance skull and. Just because you've got a wound, you've got to roll over the wounds characteristic of the model. There's not a lot that Archeon won't just slap off the table anyway. Um, again, Filth Spewer, you get to a roll seven dice and on a free up do a mortal. But if you're into a horde unit, you're probably just killing them all anyway. And yeah. then Spell Eater is the only one that you might situationally use. Like if there's that endless spell that you just have to get rid of um like a horror ghast or a rune of petrification etc um then i'd probably use use that but um yeah i wish i wish there was still a hero phase ability that allowed you to do certain aspects
0: i will say spell what i like about spell eater in particular is not only do you eat an endless spell on a two up but you also deal d3 mortal wounds to the caster so that's not even yeah. a conditional thing, right? So if you unbound, if you just spell the endless spell and the rumor, the rumor, not confirmed, is that we might go into a sub-commander meta where there might be incentives for sub-commanders. So if there's a lot of little three, the no, three wound, five wound, six wound idiots, um, and they're casting a bunch of endless spells, that that could pop them or that could at least yeah. put them to half half their wounds. So uh it may get them to reconsider casting some of those endless spells so that's probably my favorite of the three but i think to your point raw stomp titanic jewel are probably going to be ones that you'll choose probably more often than the three heads which is a shame which is a dry crime it's a crime against archaon yeah yeah
1: yeah so um yeah like i say should still be heroic heroic phase abilities
0: even a heroic action actually wouldn't be too bad if it was a heroic action as opposed to a monstrous rampage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that that could also be an option. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, raw raw for me is still the main one.
0: Yeah, especially if you're going into those elite units that you want to one, stop them from using all that defense, two, you know, make the most of that shutting down inspiring presence. So the more damage you can possibly do, the more likely to take Battle Shock, which means they're gonna run, especially if they're like multi-wound, you know, whether it's gluttons or some type of um three wound, four wound, hell, put it in Storm Drake Guard. That's that's disgusting. The seven wound dragons running away. Yeah. Nine wounds, nine wounds, they're nine wounds.
1: Nine. Bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly.
0: Phil, we could keep talking about this. I want to ask you maybe one final question, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. And you can go back to bed. Um, you know, you've, you've been you've been an awesome guest, and I know as we go through this and you get more reps in with the new book, you're going to you know unlock a whole bunch of potential. I know Jeff talked a little bit about like the mutual life vortex beast. There's so much good stuff that's going to be unlocked in this book, and I, it's like cities of Sigma, right? When cities first dropped, because I was a part of cities when it very first dropped the list tech didn't really unravel until at least six months where it's like, Oh, we found some interesting list tech. We found some ideas. Yes. You've got some like low hanging fruit with the splintered Fang and the, the five up rally and the Nurgle banner. But I think, you know, as we've talked a lot about slanish, I think is, it hasn't been truly unlocked to its potential. Um, I think Zeench is probably a little bit of a sleeper. We've kind of rubbished it and poo-pooed it a little bit, but I think there's some some list tech that we haven't thought about just yet with, with Zinch and maybe even some of the, the marks of the Undivided. And, you know, we haven't really talked about, you know, the the War Queen. We ha- and I think there's some good stuff in the in the Dark Oath, dark oath side of the book. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in this book, and I guess it depends on what the GBH brings and the incentives and the army and the meta and... It's great to have a toolbox i think that's the key it's it's great to have a toolbox that you can respond to
1: no i, I completely agree with you the the book can lean any way um as the meta shifts um, and if we go into a shooting meta then you need to utilize those bliss bar archers. but um yeah it's really exciting especially with a new ghb around the corner like there's a lot we can kind of pre-plan for and get ready for the new, the new edition of Slaves of Darkness. We're now, we're now going to be some of the biggest damage dealers in the game, um, opposed to being this army that you just don't kill. So um, it's exciting. It's going to lean to a new way of playing, um, and I'm looking forward to like, like we said, using models that never saw the light of day in knights, warriors, Chaos Lords, on demonic mounts, Carcadrax, um, Cultists. Um, so, yeah, really, really exciting.
0: So my last question to you then, my last question, then, I'll let you, then we'll wrap it up, is what's the key to success? If I'm a, uh, a, a Slaves to the Darkness player who's currently, I don't know, let's say a tournament average, I'm winning two games or three games out of my five, uh, maybe I'm doing okay, but I, or maybe I'm picking this up for the first time, how do I get the most of my army and how do I do well?
1: Um, so I think what what fundamentally people need to remember about Warhammer is that it's a it's a game of movement, so you need to understand the like general mechanics of the game and remember you don't always need to kill stuff to win games of Warhammer. however, this army is gonna allude to the fact that um you're gonna you're gonna kill a lot of stuff while you're playing the game um it's gonna play in my opinion, quite aggressively, it's going to look to deal as much damage as physically possible and, um, God, my dog's going mental. Um, And, uh, yeah, you're going to, you're going to look to build around lists that are going to look to pump out like a significant amount of damage. You can do it in multiple ways. You can do it with like all calf builds. If you want that pure foot slog of lots of bodies, you can go warriors, chosen, cultists. Um, so I'd say it really leans into new players as well. You've got a lot of survivability. The, the majority of your army is going to be sat on a free up save as a base, um, which is great. Like the fat warriors and knights have both come down to a free plus save is incredible. Um, so I think for a new player, it's it's a really good spot to be joining the game as a as a slaves of darkness player as well you've got you got the best of both worlds you you're going to be survivable you're going to hit like a freight train you're going to feel like you're in the game until the very end so yeah really good spot
0: i think it's a, it's an exciting for list builders i th- i can imagine if i'm a new player um don't get overwhelmed don't get overwhelmed hey dog um yeah. don't try to keep chasing i think if you keep trying to chase and you keep trying to like uh, what's better chosen warriors Varengard, and you'd like you'll be you'll be chasing the tail and that's what happens in cities you just got to stick and just like commit to something and as you build up your army you, you just get frustrated i've i've noticed especially what happens in cities of sigmar but i think there's so much excitement from a list builder right like you know cockatrice yeah bring some cockatrice into the army. Um, There's just so many cool pieces and that to me, and like as much as I want to paint up my army like Slanesh, I feel like the flexibility of just painting them black with gold or silver Mm. is probably going to be the most flexible because then I can just jump between the different marks. And, you know, I think Jonathan mentioned earlier converting up some cool banners that might represent the uh the insourced banners but there's a lot of cool things in here and i'm excited to see where the new ghb goes and then i can fully commit to go right where am i building into what do i need do i need lots of units or so small units do i want a couple of really powerful units do i want to have lots of board control and that's where cultists come in i think there's some really cool list tech that we haven't talked about like the Beast chariot or even the regular chariots i think Beast chariot's got some very interesting rules that i think people are sleeping on and yeah you just go through this book and it's like i like this i like this i like this i love the dark earth war queen and i love her some of her abilities where it's like if you get into their side of the battlefield she achieves her oath and there's some crazy things so whether you're competitive whether you are uh narrative whether you are just casual there's something in here for you and i dig that i really dig that
1: yeah no i think i think it's amazing um and like, like you say, the fact that from a list building perspective, you've got so many of these damn legions that you can pick from that are inherently good and lean you into various play styles is brilliant. Um, like you say, if you're either competitive or a casual player, there's, there's something for you across the whole book. You're not, you're not subject to just taking the same core seven units that we did in the previous book. Um, if you wanted to be a competitive player Um, whereas now you I think you're going to see a lot of competitive chaos players playing a lot of different armies which is really refreshing for the whole game of Age of Sigma Um, so it'd be really cool to see and decipher what like my peers are doing within Slaves of Darkness and speaking to them and trying to get the most out of it.
0: Can I say something really funny? Everyone knows I've got like the biggest AOS Discord, and it's great. But one of the things that I've really enjoyed, both on Facebook and on the Discord, is people basically in in Stormcast wishing they were slaves. Because you look yeah. at the internal balance, right? If you look at like GW's meta watch, and they show you like how many units in Stormcast get used, it's like thirty three percent of their units actually get used on the table. This I actually feel I, I feel like there's going to be a lot higher. Um, internal balance when it comes to using units in the book. I think it, it won't get a hundred percent, but th- we talked about it. You know, the cultists, there's a lot of interesting cultists. There's a lot of interesting ways of playing. So look, I said to you, we wrap this up and I think we should wrap this yeah. up. Phil, is there anything one you want to say, any shout outs, anyone that you want to, um, people want to find you? Where can they find you? I know you're on Twitter and your handle's below um, unless Twitter blows up, in which case we'll find you somewhere else.
1: Um. Not really. Just um, thank you very much for inviting me onto the show. I always love talking all things slays of darkness. Um, I guess I'll give a shout out to my club back home, which is Lance and Buckler. Um, joined them last year, and I've learned a lot of war, a lot about Warhammer in that time, um, which has enabled me to get onto Team England for this year. Go to New Mexico to participate. Um, what I will say to anyone, um, and there's probably people in the chat that have sent me messages on Twitter, um, reach out to me if you want any advice on slays to Darkness and um, I'm more than happy to talk through it. I don't mind having calls or if you just want to chat over, over Twitter DMs then that, that's all well and good as well. So um, yeah, um, really excited really happy to be invited on here and i'm just i'm looking forward to smashing face of new slaves to darkness in the next GHB.
0: i've heard some of your coaching has helped a certain season of war uh season of war uh player do well so you know your stuff and i think you've proven it and again we could keep talking and you know a couple of months time in the new JHB and we kind of the dust has settled perhaps you come back and tell us a bit more about where you're at and you've had some some good practice now but i think looking at twitter just seeing the response from the community of you doing really well at gw open is just a testament to uh what a lovely chap you are so phil Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. If you've enjoyed it, leave a comment. You know what the deal is. Um, let me know how you, what you're thinking about the uh, the book. Think, How are you building your list? Is that stuff that we haven't spoken about? You know, we were only very light on Varangard, and I think there's a lot of list teching that we haven't really talked about. You know, the Centurion and, and the Legionnaire type stuff. There's so much in this book that we haven't only scratched the surface. So let me know legitimately in the comment. I'd be curious to hear how people are building because I am building a slave's army. I don't know where i want to go i want warriors i want knights i want chosen i want everything but uh, my wallet cannot afford everything so you need to help me funnel this list otherwise i'll be uh, deeply in trouble phil go hang out with your dog go back to bed thank you so much thank you for everyone who joined the stream let's play out the outro phil thanks again
1: thank you very much Cheers.
0: Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video, as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds of supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends! And until next time, don't roll a 1 on a redeploy.